Check one, two, check one, two. All right, we're live and direct. Good afternoon, Brian Fulford and A.D. Drew here. A.D., I just had to do that to make sure we were actually live and streaming. You know, I don't know where we're at these days. (laughs) Make sure we push all the buttons that we need to push. Right, right. I I don't know, you know, I never figure out how to share it. I'm assuming you you know all the bells and whistles and you shared it to to all of the good folks on YouTube and on uh, and on Facebook and Twitter and all that fun stuff. So I'm uh, I'm under the assumption that we are in all of those beautiful places. Yeah. You know what they say about when you assume, Brian. <laughs> we gonna leave it right there. No guarantees. I, I think we are. It does look like we're streaming live everywhere. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the BCSN. Sports Rap, Brian Fulford and A.D. Drew here. And thank you for joining us. Happy holidays to you. Hope everyone had a uh, uh, happy, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, you're in the midst of uh, heaven. hopefully a happy Kwanzaa if, you, if you're Jewish. Uh, hope you had a happy Hanukkah, all those wonderful things. Um, and that you're getting ready for a, a, a prosperous 2022 and ready to close the book, close the book on 2021. <laughs> the book, the book, yeah, yeah, closing it all on 20. All of the 21. above. Yeah, on a scale of uh, on a scale of one to ten, Drew, how would you rate 2021 for yourself personally? It's got to be a ten, just because we survived, man. Oh, wow, man. Okay. I mean, you you you've got you've got pandemic. You've got. Whew, yeah, I mean it's it's been a tough 2021, man. You know, we've done we've done things this year that we would have never thought we would have done, brother. Uh yeah, okay. I, I mean look, I, I that 10, I look, I don't know what a 10 would qualify as. You know, it is I, I felt like I was just watching a show uh where I was watching a show on Netflix called uh, Don't Look Up. And the scientist was uh, saying that no scientist would ever say anything is 100%. Uh, so I'm not going to say the year was a 10. I'm not going to say it because that's a high bar, right? That's a very high bar. Can never get any better. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. For me, I, I would go somewhere in the ballpark of an, an 8 to an 8.5, you know? I think that's where I would go with it. I mean, yes, surviving the pandemic. <laughs> and yes, I guess about uh, you know me getting married this year was also a highlight of the year. As uh, I've got one of the uh, 
one of the listeners out there reminded us it just came across the screen yes exactly exactly congratulations on on that uh for you yeah my uh my i think the first half of the year was probably better than the second half of the year so you know if i were if i were doing my averages i i guess that's uh that's how everything might break down uh for myself but uh look i'm looking forward to 2022 drew and uh so we We've been doing this uh, sports wrap for uh, for a few years together, and so we keep trying to get better every year. And uh, this year we had so many uh, new members of the team joining us this year. I think that's what I am most excited about going into 2022. I mean, you know, not only, um, you know, all thanks again to, uh, you know, uh, Roy Evans uh, helped seize this thing through, but you know, joining with uh, Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab, uh, the pregame show with Neely and Bishop, uh, meeting and working with B.J. Jones, uh, Jamie Walker even, uh, Carlos Brown, and the Carlos Brown show joining us uh, this year. Am I forgetting anybody? Uh, I don't want to forget. Uh, you, forget did, you, you had Rob Calloway, who uh, made a couple, uh, a couple yeah. appearances on some of our stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we definitely, definitely, uh, you know, Rob Calloway, HBCU Sports Report. But I mean, just the and then even the the Pro Sports Media Association, HBCU Pro Sports Media Association, getting to uh, really work with uh, with those brothers and and sisters uh, who who uh, who cover HBCU sports and and seeing so many more faces and so many more people involved, and I, I think that's what. 2021 for me on a professional level uh means you know um you know still looking to to add on to the wonderful personal stuff and you know then uh you know hopefully we grow in 2022 prosperously that that's what i'm looking forward to in 2022 you know i just uh, want definitely to get- exactly you know what i can't forget i can't forget my guys uh the ong strike zone yes i cannot forget um, you know, Kofi and uh, Kelvin and, and doing and doing that show. So, I, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I don't want to forget those guys as well. So yeah. um, I just want to get back to 2019 again. That That is close to 2019 again as we can, bro, because that was the last time things were as close to normal as what normal is. I mean, what the hell is normal? But it's definitely not running around from whatever whatever Greek letter they're going to give the next variant of uh, COVID-19. Oh <laughs> you know, yeah. hey, you, you know as, as black folk, we love our Greeks, but this is one Greek I can't stand. Yeah, and the fact that we are slowly starting to see things creep back to places that – that's not what this show is. This show is not going to go there, but I'm very – a little agitated, pissed, nervous, all of those so, things. So we're not going to talk about all the games that have been canceled over the last two weeks in HBCU uh, basketball. And we definitely Hashtag, not going to get into all the bowl games in, uh, that have been canceled. Okay. Hashtag, just want to make sure we put no, that out there. Hashtag no room for Omicron on this show. No, 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 <laughs> no. Hashtag not here, not in my house. So – Look, let's try to set what this show is. This is a sports recap of 2021 
the first full year of sports, as you mentioned, Drew, since 2019. We did not have, uh, we were coming out of some sports that had cancellations to sports that were able to return. So we really had, we went from half of the schools playing in the first half of the year to really seeing a full load of teams in the fall. And we just hope that 2022 in the spring doesn't get ruined. But, you know, as I was going through the list, man, so many thoughts and memories come up. So what we're going to try to do in this in the various segments, we're going to talk about some of the things that happen in the various Olympic sports in this first segment, uh, volleyball, track and field, softball, men and women's golf, tennis, bowling, just maybe a shout out to a lot of those uh, champions. We'll come up and talk a little bit about uh, baseball and then some of the miscellaneous news and some Hall of Fame inductions that happened in 2021. We'll get into talking about men and women's basketball, uh, NIL, uh, which was a big thing in 2021. Uh, You know, posthumously, we'll talk about some of the legends that we lost, some of the Tragically, some student athletes, uh, you know, I always worry with that segment if I missed anybody in it. So if we do happen to, to miss anybody, it's it's out of the fact that we, we, we just missed them, you know, because uh, I think even the list that we were putting together, Drew, uh, we came up with a name today that we were like, oh, snap, how can we forget this person? So, <laughs> yes. yeah, that, yeah. So as we go through this. We want, we want you all to interact with us. If you're watching us right here live, interact with us. Let us know of some of the, some of the top moments from 2021 that you all recall. And then, of course, we'll talk about uh, football here at the end of the show. And then we'll give a, we'll give a top 10. You know, everyone likes the top 10. We prefer top fives, but there's just so you many stories. You can't put it in five. And it was hard to no. get cut it to 10. Yeah, definitely it was. It was hard. So uh, let's get ready to roll through again. If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure you're subscribed to the Jericho Broadcast Networks. Uh, My JBN1 there on YouTube. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. If you're watching us on Black College Sports Network or the BCSN Sports Wrap, make sure you're you're uh, signed in so that you get notifications when we do post shows. All of the shows do appear. And then if you would, go to your Google Google or Apple Play Store. You see that top right corner there in the screen. My JBN, my BCSN is where you can search and download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app. Got some exciting things that we're going to be doing in conjunction with our app. You know, so that will be that will be uh added in into that okay drew let's talk about some of the olympic sports i just want to kind of do a roll call of uh just some of the uh some of the champions from this past year and of course don't forget you know this is in the first half of the year the ciaa the siac i believe even the gcac canceled spring sports uh so a lot of those schools did not have seasons, but they did proceed with seasons in the MEAC and SWAC. So in softball, as best as they yeah, could, as best as they could. Yeah. Because look at, at that point in the spring, they definitely were dealing with 
cancellations and changes and things like that. So in softball, you had Alabama State winning the SWAC softball title for the second consecutive year. You had Morgan State winning the MEAC for the first time in program history. They uh, So both of those schools, congratulations to those teams. Uh, men's golf, you had FAMU winning their very first program uh, title, a MEAC title. Now, this was in April, so this was still when FAMU was part of the MEAC. Uh, so they won their last shot in the MEAC and then said, deuces, they're out. Uh, <laughs> so congrats. Hey, to Coach Brian, Rice. Let's, stop, let, let's stop right there. While we're going through this, Let's see if we can keep an unofficial tally of the screw you titles and the screw you titles are those titles by teams that won on their way out the door. I'm taking, I'm taking my, I'm taking my trophy. I'm not going to defend it. I'm taking my ball and going home. That's what, that's what that, those kind of titles mean to me. That fab you golf title means to me. Uh, there are a couple more that we will get into, but those are that I'm taking my ball and going home titles. So, so maybe instead of calling it the screw you title, let's let's call it the uh, the, uh, the 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 walk home, the walk home, not walk the off, the, the drop the mic, the drop the mic titles. <laughs> okay, drop the mic, walk home. We'll, let's give it a little nicer name because I, I don't think any of these, I don't think anybody walked out the door with bad blood. I don't if I don't if I don't recall right. or if okay, recall, walk right. home, walk home. Yeah, walk we got one so nicer. far. Yeah, in men's golf, you had Preview A and M. Winning in men's golf, uh, they were actually down ten strokes after the first round, and they came back to win on the final day of the three-day tournament to win their golf championship. Over on the women's side, it was Alabama State who won their third consecutive women's golf championship. Women's tennis uh, played in the MIAC and the SWAC. It was Alabama State who won in the SWAC. And then South Carolina State won for the women. They won. That was their 15th overall title and 14th in the last 16 years. Talk, so, about, talk about a dynasty. Uh, yeah, with a capital D. And while the women are dominating tennis, the men for South Carolina State are doing it as well as they won their 16th overall MEAC title 13th in the last 16. So that's a so, double dynasty. Double dynasty. Two big Ds. I, I, oh, almost bad joke there coming. Almost got in trouble. I called it and, and, and we are good 200 miles from each other right now. And I called it. Alabama A&M. I'm going to keep going and try to ignore it. Uh, you. <laughs> Alabama A&M men's tennis won their program history. Uh, the first in program history won their championship uh, in men's tennis. Bowling, bowling, it's a, it's a women's sport. You had Prairie View A&M, which won the SWAC women's bowling title. And then you had North Carolina A&T in the MEAC, who were one of the uh, one of the top teams in the nation, actually, as they went into the NCAA tournament as the number three overall seed among 16 schools. They also were the national runner-up in the United States uh, Bowling Championships, which is part of the uh, ITC, which is a uh, you know another organization. Um, inter- I think it was an international or intercollegiate, intercollegiate. Uh, 
intercollegiate team championship, they won the national, uh, they won uh, the runner-up, excuse me, they finished second in that. And then you also had a student from Delaware State, Katie Robb, who, uh, what did she win? Like the uh, individual singles, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, she won the individual uh, yeah. singles. Right. And sp- speaking of Delaware State, they also made it into the uh, NCAA tournament. So, you know, Brian, when I sit back and think about that, the fact that an HBCU conference had two teams from the same conference get a bid to a national tournament, I don't care what sport it is, is newsworthy. Yeah. And I'm just kind of yeah. mad that we, we kind of slept on it, uh, to be honest with you. You know, bo- uh, I had a, Bowling is an interesting sport in terms of conversation because the scoring is a little bit different. It's not like how you and I might go to the bowling alley and play for $20. It's a, it's, it's, it's judged differently. You know, it's not like, Hey, just set them up. And the person with the top score went now there, there's other stuff. And I, and I only noticed from a conversation that I had with Florida A&M's coach uh, that we had for the ONG. So uh, may, maybe we will, uh, one of those to-do lists for 2021, 2022, Drew, we may be getting to talking a little more bowling next year and and uh, try to understand the scoring and things of that nature because it is a little bit different. Let's uh, So that, those are some of the – let's get into the two major Olympic sports that we wanted to talk about in this segment. That's volleyball and track and field. And, you know, volleyball actually – one of the two sports that played twice. Normally it's a traditional fall sport, but they played in the spring. And so you actually had spring in the MEAC and SWAC and fall in the MEAC and SWAC. And so interesting kind of how that came about and and what went down there. Um, I think in volleyball, some of the, some of the, the major bullet points I take out of volleyball uh, Jackson State won the spring regular season title, went unbeaten in conference play, and then had their championship game canceled. They were supposed to play, I believe, Alabama State in the championship game, but it got canceled due to COVID. So they ended up winning the uh, championship game without having playing, uh, without playing an opponent. And that's just kind of how spring went, right? If you if you weren't, whether it was vaccinated or whatever the rules were, there were a lot of forfeits think, that took place. Yeah, I don't think we had the vaccine different pushing uh, mandates back during the springtime because the vaccine was just rolling out in the spring. That's what everybody tends to forget. I mean, the vaccines really only hit in like February or March, and these people were halfway into it, and then there wasn't an abundant quantity at that point in time. So it wasn't until the fall where you seen people really push. You've got to be vaccinated to play, and we're not taking no crap. We're not rescheduling nothing. Either you play or you don't. Right. Um. So that Jackson State ended up winning the uh, spring championship in the MEAC, and then uh, Jackson State carried that winning streak into the fall where they would win another, I think, nine or ten consecutive games before they eventually lost 
in the fall to Florida A&M, who was the new kids in the SWAC. So Jackson State had a regular season winning streak of 18 in a row, 18 conference games in a row in 2021. They did win the spring and the fall regular season title, but it was Florida A&M who won the the fall championship. And actually, FAMU kind of cleaned up in a lot of the individual awards. They had the player of the year, newcomer of the year, I think the libero, defender of the year, head coach of the year. Uh, so the Rattlers, uh, you know, and they defeated Jackson State in a five set. That was a great contest. Obviously, we watched it live, I think, didn't we? That actually. Yeah, we it kind of overlapped one of our shows. So we just yeah. we just did a, 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 a BCSN game time in the middle of the BCSN sports rap, <laughs> a watch right. party. Exactly. A watch party, right. Right. Um, so, yeah, that that all happened. And uh, so that was the SWAC over in the MEAC. North Carolina A&T won the spring championship. And then Howard won the fall championship. Uh, Howard, um, uh, obviously North Carolina A&T left in, you know, midseason or I should say at the start of the year. So they were no longer in the MEAC. And they went over, uh, had a pretty good season, uh, 20-win season, I believe, over in the Big South is where they were. Uh, so that, that was good for them. Now, the CIAA SIEC uh, returned to volleyball action. Fayetteville State won the CIAA championship. How about Edward Waters? Almost. There's, here's another that's walk-off. Another, that's another walk-off. A walk-off winning the last their last GCAC um, tournament, and uh, they advanced to the NAIA tournament. Of course, they're moving into Division Two, moving into the SIAC. Uh, and, and then, how about Xavier? Xavier moves over to the Red River Conference. Yeah, they had previously multiple won walk-offs. ten consecutive. Yes, multiple walk-offs. They had won. 10 consecutive uh, volleyball championships in the GCAC, Zula goes over to the Red River and wins their first. So to make it 11 consecutive conference titles for Xavier uh, Volleyball. So, yeah, that, that's uh, pretty doggone impressive by, by Xavier. Anything I missed there? Uh, in volleyball in terms of may- maybe headlines, stories, or news, or anything that uh, – that's just some of the bullet points that I came across. Anything you want to add? Uh, this is why in Florida Memorial, uh, first HBCU with a beach volleyball program. We did not put that on the list. Yeah, yeah, good point. And I believe, you, point. Went down, I believe you were down there for a beach tournament, if I remember that correctly. Yes, yeah, they did have a tournament down there, yes, but they were one of the first, and I think they advanced. I, ooh, I don't know. Ah, I'm shameful. I don't know if they won their tournament or won the beach volleyball tournament um, or I not. Believe they play, I believe they did pretty good in the Sun Conference also this past year. Yeah, they yeah they did, obviously, but they they, uh, they lost their head coach. Uh, coach uh, Crockett, she, uh, she's no longer – she resigned after this season, so – um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about coaching changes and things like that, but that'll be a significant loss for them. Let's jump over to track and field, Drew, because that was a, a historic year 
as I think when we talk about track and field, you got to start with the history that was made by the fantastic four, the, you know, whatever, whatever little acronym you want to call the, the four brothers from North Carolina Anti State University. You're talking uh, Trevor Stewart, Randolph Ross, Elijah Young, and Daniel Stokes, the four by 400 meter team from North Carolina AT won not only the indoor national championship in the four by 400, but the outdoor national championship four by four. I, I don't know offhand how many schools have done that, but uh, I would call that a sweep. You know, I, I'm sure schools have done it before. I don't think they were the first. Um, but they are, they were the first HBCU to win an indoor title in the four by four since Morgan State won back to back years in 1965 and 66. Those just happened to be the first two years that the NCAA had indoor champions. So, um, congratulations. Uh, to to those guys, and speaking of North Carolina A and T, Drew, the Aggies had a great showing in the outdoor track championships. Uh, they had twenty seven Aggies compete in the regionals, which was a record for that program. Uh, just just a record, I think, for uh, HBCUs. Uh, they had thirteen men, fourteen women that qualified. Uh, for regionals, and I believe several of those did go on to nationals as well. Um, while we're talking about national champions, this one may have got looked over by a lot of people, Drew. Dillard University, their 4 by 100 relay team, won the outdoor national championships. Uh, the 4 by 400 team from uh, Dillard, won that. I'm, let's see, if you, if you look in those notes, Drew, uh, I know I've got that pulled up somewhere. I'll find those if you can uh, pull up their names while I run through a couple of more notes here in a second. Uh, North Carolina A&T went on to win the MEAC and the men and women's. That was in the outdoors. I think they also won the indoors, too. So uh, A&T was just uh, all over the place. Alabama State won their 11th consecutive SWAC outdoor title. That's uh, the uh, women. Prairie View A&M's men won the SWAC outdoor title as well. Uh, Howard, 4x400 women's relay team, did qualify for nationals. They broke a 35-year-old record uh, at Howard University. And then uh, we had a couple of individual national champions that uh, we should make mention of. Uh, Benedict had a triple jumper. Um, Shamar Miller won the Division II Outdoor National Championship in the triple jump. And then uh, I believe I had this pulled up. Yeah. Kizan David won the national championship um, as well. And uh, Mr. David is... uh, Looks like we lost Brian there. Those names that were it's two national titles. Oh, lost you there for a, a minute, Brian. You, you buffered. 
Okay, where where'd you lose me at? Uh, j- just go over your last the last thing again. I was saying Kazan David. Kazan David won the. Uh, Kazan David won the uh, national championship in the uh, indoor national championship uh, in the uh, long jump. Okay. And I do have those uh, names for you for uh, Dillard. Yeah, give those give those uh, give those young folks some props here before we get ready to go to break. Uh, we had Cody Branch, Willie McCulley, Caleb McClendon, James Ray Pennington the third, and they ran a forty point six nine in order to win that national championship. Just out of curiosity, Brian, do you have A and T's uh, four by four time? Oh, excuse me, four by who was that who won the four by one? Uh, the four by one that was Dillard. D- no, all right. I, I, I'm, I was thinking about something else. So that that's a that's a pretty good time right there though. Forty point six nine. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so I mean, uh, let us know if there's anything out there that we may have uh, forgotten or anything memorable from the track and Brian. field, volleyball, softball, golf. Tennis, bowling. Let us know. Hit us up on uh, YouTube or Facebook. Let did, us know. Uh, go you, ahead. Drew. Did you get Cambria Sturges in there? Uh, no, I did not. On the no. women's track. Okay. Yes. And, and this is, you know, we talked about Olympic Olympic sports. Let's not forget, we actually had the Olympics this year, Brian. And there were many a number of uh, HBCU athletes who qualified for the Olympics, not only for the USA, but for other countries also. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, as I said, this is a, this was, there was so much in this year that uh, and trying to go back and recall all of this stuff. Uh, I, I knew there was a, I knew I was bound or we were possibly bound to skip over or forget something. So thank you. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. And so again, the, the all call to, to anybody out there who uh, is watching our show, please hit us up, YouTube, Facebook, um, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if there's uh, anybody out there that we might have missed. When we come back after this break, we're going to recap the year of um, national superlatives, you know, some some people going into the National Hall of Fames, talk about baseball, some other miscellaneous notes from 2021 you're watching the year in review the bcsn sports wrap with brian and ad we'll be back in just a moment it didn't what happened was uh, a gentleman wanted to do the black college sports network Mm -hmm. in partnership with the hbcu or these black colleges absolutely and it would have educated the black college sports network this is what he wanted to do that would have educated a lot of black kids Mm -hmm. okay that was the real reason why I got into it was when I saw what happened with the Black College Sports Network. Which I... Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. 
picks up a first down. And I'm going to go back to, you know, we talked to our friends, uh, Charles Bishop and Neely. They follow Jackson State football and having dinner with them. I mean, they said this team feels like nobody can score three times on them. Three times. He didn't say if it was three field goals, three touchdowns. Prairie View has scored twice. Touchdown, field goal. That's how good this defense is. And, whoa. They are as good as advertised. Fourth best in all of FCS. Giving it got to get to the point where whoever we're doing the broadcast that week of the game, they're going to sit down with y'all because y'all know us better than everybody. Sure. And y'all know some of the inside stuff we do. that I may not tell them because I don't trust them. But sure. Trust us. Okay. Trust y'all. We appreciate that. We appreciate trust. that. Much love, baby. Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working. <laughs> never not working. Never ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield, never not working. I want you to get the vaccine because I want you to be safe. I don't want you to be a patient. I take care of you in the hospital. That's what I'm scared of. Can I hug you? Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. Supposed to do that off camera. Well, you know, welcome back. I, I was waiting to hear some intro, some rejoin music, Drew. So, again, I I, I, I know, but you, I, always, you know, I, you always miss the rejoin music in the first segment. I, I don't know why that is. It's well, we don't miss it in every segment because I don't have that. Believe it or not, I don't have that for our show. Jesus. All right. So well, I, I'm going to blame my executive producer for not sending it down to the show producer. Got to blame somebody. Well, next time, but jump anyway. in and give me a heads up. Anyway, that's what I, I was telling you in the background. I was waiting to hear you. Anyway, this is uh, <coughs> Brian Fulford, 80 Drew here. <laughs> <laughs> doing doing a live year in review here. Got to love, got to love my man, Drew. Want to give a shout out to a few people joining us on YouTube. Uh, M4 1974 uh, with some nice uh, memories. Uh, a lot of a lot of interesting things uh, they brought up. Uh, Tamara Taylor joining us. Uh, Mary 305. Happy holidays and happy new year to all of you there. Real talk. Drum major SCSU. Of course, he wants to hold on to that South Carolina State as the Black College National Champs. Yep. Go ahead and I claim it. Everybody you. else. Yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> else. Ain't mad at you. Um, <laughs> real talk. Uh, joining in. So uh, you guys uh, keep chatting away. Let us know some good stuff there. Um, kind of see if we come across anything uh, as we go. Uh, especially, you know, some of you guys are bringing up some things in football. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. So, Drew, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, before we get into baseball. A couple of Hall of Fame notes that happen 
um, this past year. In basketball, named to the Naismith Hall of Fame, you had a Virginia Union Panther, Ben Wallace, that actually, you know, he, of course, of the uh, Detroit Pistons. I will always remember Ben Wallace as part of the Orlando Magic's Heart and Hustle team uh, before he left to go uh, become a rebound god, small g, in the uh, NBA. And then there was Bob Dandridge from uh, Norfolk State um, who uh, went on and had a had a great professional career as well. Both of those men from out of the CIAA, because Norfolk State was in the CIAA at that time. Um, uh, Bob, I, I, if I recall the dates, my parents were still floating around Norfolk. Uh, I don't know if they were married yet or what was going on, but uh, that Bob Dandridge was around at Norfolk State putting in buckets when my parents were in Norfolk. Uh, so it was pre it was pre me being born and conceived. How about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, so, wait, oh, uh, you know, your sister's older than you, correct? She's younger. She's younger. She's oh, she's younger. younger. She's, oh, so you're the oldest. Yes, I'm the oldest. Yes. Okay. Um, we also had Rudy Hubbard in the College National Hall of Fame. Coach Rudy Hubbard, who led Florida A&M to the very first FCS, or what was then one AA. National Championship in 1978. Uh, he became, I believe, the fourth Florida A&M head coach to go into the College Hall of Fame. Let me see. Fourth or fifth? Huh, tough call. Let me see. Four. I know you Jake got... Aether. You got Jake Aether. Aether. Billy Joe. Billy Joe. Um, uh, oh, name escapes me. We're, we're talking about him here in just a second. Joe Taylor. Joe Taylor. Ken Riley is the one that's on my mind. I'm not sure. I don't Ken, think, I don't Ken, think Riley, Ken Riley's not in the hall. Uh, he's in as a player. I don't think he's in as a coach. Right. And should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, just as a side note. Um, but, yeah, so he he became the fourth Florida NM head coach to enter the College Hall of Fame. That uh, announcement came in January, and the actual induction came in December. They did this great uh, in-stadium presentation thing during the year. So uh, that was that was great. That was something that they took away the previous year because of COVID and stuff, you know. So uh, it was good to see that that actually happened. Then the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we had some four. This year they did a 2021 and 2022 or 20. Let me get it right here, Drew. 2020 and 2021 combined. They combined the two for a mega weekend. And so you had from the class of 2020, you had Harold Carmichael from Southern, Donnie Shell from South Carolina State, who, Drew, I don't know, uh, Donnie Shell might be the most decorated HBCU player in history. Possibly. When you look at all of the Hall of Fames he's in, he might be in all of them. There are very few players that are in all of them. And I mean, when I say all, I mean college football Hall of Fame. State Hall of Fame. State, <laughs> pro, black college Hall of Fame. And, you know, I think he's in all I, of them. And if his high school got a Hall of Fame, he's in there too. Right, exactly, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and then uh, Winston Hill, 
who uh, was from Texas Southern. He was uh, inducted in part of the class of 2020. Then the class of 2021, we had uh, Bill Nunn, who was a West Virginia State grad, but more so known as the super scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers for 47 years. And he found guys like Donnie Shell and um, John Stallworth, uh, John Stallworth, and and so many other guys who found their way into the National Football League. Um, he, he was not afraid to go into HBCUs, or he knew, obviously, from his time working at the Pittsburgh Courier about the HBCUs and the talent that was there. So uh, he he was a, a great advocate, contributor, an HBCU alum. And so those four names uh, all made it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, okay, baseball memories, Drew. What's what's your first baseball memory uh, that, that comes to mind for you? Well, obviously for me, uh, since we were all there, the Black College World Series, man. The fact that for the first time since 19, I believe it was 1958 was the year that there was that a true HBCU champion in any sport had been decided on the field. You know, previously, all HBCUs competed in AIA and they had a black division or black regional and the well, it was the Negro, the Negro regional back then. Whoever came out the Negro regional got to compete in the NC, uh, NAIA. They took eight teams. We only got one bid out of those eight teams. So the winner came out and competed in the NAIA championships. So uh, that would be the one memory I had considering the the trying times that we had uh, helping put that uh, thing together. You know, it was originally supposed to be eight teams. Only six teams participated in it because of COVID and school administrations and budgets and protecting eligibility. There were so many logistics that went around if where teams could not participate. So you, we wound up with four NAIA teams and two NCAA teams uh, competing for the championship. But you got what you wanted at the end. You got the NAIA team and the NCAA team battling it out for the uh the championship which was won by bluefield state yeah so many so many uh, memories of that uh and, and congratulations to bcsg 360 black college nines even for being able to uh to 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 pull all the logistics together along with the city of montgomery the montgomery biscuits who were the host or uh the the host they allowed us uh, allowed the teams to use their field uh, for that event. Uh, plenty of plenty of memories. I know we stayed right across the street from the actual ballpark. Um, you know, the, the, so many ironies that came from that contest. Uh, of course, you had um, uh, you had Bluefield State, as you mentioned, that won. Uh, of course, they are uh, HBCU uh, by designation, even though you know uh, as they're uh campus let's, or their student let's be let's be real brian there were two african-americans in the championship photo that's not what i was going with but <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm just, 
Well, but that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't. But that's that's HBC that's HBCU baseball in general, though. Well, hey, thank you. So, see that that's not where I was going to go with that. But anyway, you brought up a good point. The fact that yeah, the large the larger student body of Bluefield State uh, does not look like you or I or most of its alums, and so they that school has that very unique current currency versus the previous history of that school. And we'll talk a little bit more about Bluefield State a little bit later. And um, and then you had Xavier who brought back their baseball program. And in the first year of bringing their baseball program out, actually, I mean, they had some talent, man. That was a that was a heck of a squad. And, Frederick uh, with uh, what was it, seventeen strikeouts? Yeah, yeah there, was, there was. And there was, uh, they were were they consecutive? I don't remember because he pitched strikeouts because he pitched six innings. And yeah, okay, so he went. That, he went. He, he, there was only one batter that uh, put the ball in play. Well, not yeah, that. There was, one, there was one out that was not recorded by strikeouts. They did put the ball in play multiple times. That's that's what you. That's the correct way of saying it. He he went six innings, and seventeen of the eighteen recorded outs were strikeouts in correct. those six innings that he pitched. You know, which uh, was was quite an impressive uh, day. Uh, and even though he ended up with the loss because of that, you know, just uh, that it was a, that tight of a game. And the the one or two batters who did get on base ended up Produce. scoring, but it oh, yeah. But it, so all in all, it was a it was a great contest. There were some great baseball games. I think you let's give a shout out to the other schools that were there because I know you had uh you had Florida Memorial who was there. Edward Waters, Edward Waters was there. Rust, um, Rust College was there, and uh, who was the other NCAA team? Savannah uh, State. Tuskegee. No. No. T- Tuskegee was not State, Bluefield were the NCAA teams. Okay, thank you. Savannah State, yes. There you yes. go. Okay, I was like, that's a bad look, the fact that we don't know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the Black College World Series. And, look, it happened. So, it, it shows that hopefully in 2022 – the schools can see that even during a pandemic, it happened. This can happen in the future. And let's get behind this because I think the original model is you take what four division two schools, four NAIA schools, and that's how it's set up to be. That's the format of it for the black college world series. And then, Hey, who knows? Maybe it'll open the door to a, uh, a world series between, Division you know, one, so. F, Division One programs. You know that is possible. It's possible. I, but hey, also, can I tell I you something about that, Brian? Before we jump sure. out the World Series, uh, expect that announcement within the next uh, week or so concerning the 2022 Black College World Series. A major announcement okay. uh, for the Black College World Series for 2022. That, that's right. between me, you, and everybody who's listening to this podcast right now. You could have held that, but see, okay. Anyway, you could have held, you could have kept that in your pocket, but that's all right. It's not quite Friday. You're trying to drop a Friday news dump on us. Uh, no, the Friday, Friday news dump would have been the announcement, but it won't happen. It won't happen tomorrow. We're not gonna. We're not gonna be like these last two uh, weeks with uh, black college football. I, I'll say that for the football segment, though. Hey, uh, w- one of the things I did want to mention. Um, as it relates to baseball from the past year, 
my my first thought since you brought up the World Series, I'm going to go to Jackson State baseball and just how what the kind of season they had. They had a thirty, I think it's thirty one and nine was their season, and they were literally in swack. 24 and 0 in SWAC. I mean, having this outstanding year. And look, because of the rules of the SWAC tournament, which doesn't allow for the championship game to be a double elimination, like the rest of the format of the tournament, Jackson State ended up losing. They were one out, one out away from finishing a game off in the championship game against Southern, who won the 2019 championship. Southern didn't win 2020 because they canceled baseball in 2020. But Southern came in as the de facto defending champs. And uh, we had a chance to see Southern. Uh, they, they had a pretty good squad, definitely, I thought. But the game ended on a, a three-run home run that – they have <laughs> no, been a home run. It, may not have been a home well, run. It, it was technically a home run because the ball did go over the uh, left fielder's glove. But what's crazy is that the left fielder from Jackson State hit the fence and actually fell through the opening. He fell. The, the, the gate was closed because there's a gate that goes into the uh, bullpen. So when he hit the when he jumped for the ball, he missed the ball and fell into the dugout, which, you know, he, he popped the gate open, fell in. And so you had this this picture of not only the fact that you're hitting a three-run homer down, uh, I think they were down six to four, down six to four, hits a three-run homer with two outs. And it's like, wow, the left fielder missed the, missed the ball, but then, they, you know, because of him falling through, you didn't know if it was a, a home run or if it's a ground rule double. You watch the replay, and you can clearly see, if you slowed it down enough, uh, that the ball went over his glove and into the dugout. But there was the just the mass confusion. It was just an epic shot, an epic finish. Southern ends up winning. Jackson State doesn't even get a chance to go to the playoffs because, or to the NCAA tournament because the SWAC is a one-bid league. And so the probably one of the greatest seasons in SWAC baseball Jackson State baseball kind of ends on a dud. So I, I really – that is one of my lasting memories of just that Jackson State season and then how that game finished. A um, couple other bullet points here, Drew, before we move off of baseball. Um, we mentioned that the uh, Xavier starting a program. How about North Carolina Central and their program actually coming to an end? Um. And this is a program that almost finished with a uh, with with a uh, with a fabulous finish. They actually lose lost in the championship game of the MIAC tournament on a walk off in the eleventh inning. Norfolk State would go on to win the MIAC championship over North Carolina Central with uh, a walk off single in the eleventh inning. And so North Carolina Central, who had made the decision. Uh, when did they make that decision? Before the season started, or at the end? Right of as the season, right as the season started. So yeah, we, February. We, yeah, so not not more than a week or two before the season started, 
they made the decision due to finances, they said, to discontinue the baseball program. And this is a baseball program that uh, since 2015 had put seven players into the Major League Baseball organization. Seven seven Eagles had uh, went on to sign to play for an MLB organization since 2015. Uh, the most recent was their pitcher, Austin Vernon, from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, he was uh, selected in the 10th round, picked 311 by the Tampa Bay Rays. And so, um, you know, they also had the player of the year. Their pitching uh, was pretty good. Uh, Ryan Miller was the Black College Nines pitcher of the year. Um, and so, you know, just kind of, it kind of left the sour taste in your mouth for North Carolina Central. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it was disappointing the, the way that season ended. Any other uh, any other thoughts there regarding uh, North Carolina North Carolina Central or any other baseball notes? Uh, you talked about that. Uh, uh, something that I participated in. We did a with. In partnership with Black College Nines, we did a media day for baseball this year. You know, just like you do mm-hmm. basketball, the football media day, we did a live media day on the Black College Sports Network and gave a lot of these baseball coaches their shine. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we can do that again next year. And, and I also got to say the fact that we did, we were able to broadcast several baseball classic series um in minor league ballparks i mean we had who can forget the edward water savannah state game <sighs> in jacksonville the jacks diamond classic which ended with a uh with which ended with a well it didn't quite end but edward waters with a rally which included a it was grand a walk slam a wa- it was a walk-off walk off. it wasn't a walk-off yeah, no it was a walk-off you correct you correct i stand yeah. corrected on yeah. that yeah, no, but it was uh they 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 had to rally though. I think they were down maybe five runs in the uh, in the uh, sixth or seventh inning, and they actually had to rally and they concluded it with a uh, grand slam. Ended up winning that that contest over Savannah State. Uh, we also we went to Dallas uh, to uh, Frisco, Texas, and we got a chance to see UAPB and Southern. Um. Music City. How about Nashville, Drew? Got to see Lane and Tuskegee, your beloved Golden Tigers. Uh, we got a chance. So, I mean, seeing seeing black college baseball being showcased the way it was uh, in these minor league ballparks was huge. And uh, we were we were very fortunate that we were able to broadcast those games. A great response, great interaction by those who watched. Hopefully. Uh, with crowds being allowed in more places this year. Uh, we've seen some great attendance at a lot of things in the fall that, uh, you know, if those type of things happen again in 2022, you never know. Uh, might might look to see some, uh, some great crowds. Uh, let's go to some miscellaneous notes, Drew. Some miscellaneous things that don't quite fall under some of the topics we were talking about. We'll kind of go back and forth here. So uh, I'll give you the first shot on some uh, miscellaneous notes, uh, something that happened during 2021. 
Uh, you there, on that. See, I lost Drew. Did I lose you, Drew? I'm here. Can you power hear me? power of the audio? Power I'm here. Can you hear me? I'm not sure if Drew is seeing me, is hearing me, or you I on see, mute, Drew. I see you. I hear you. Did I lose you? Where, where'd you go? Where'd you go? You I'm mentally here. zoned out on me. Where'd you go? Okay. I, I hear you now. I thought you went back to 2020. I, I can hear you. <laughs> I, I, was, I was talking to you, but you weren't saying anything. So. No, I, I mean I don't know what happened. Okay. Uh, I, actually, right. while you was talking, I was trying to I was trying to pull up the video from right. that. Uh, well, okay, that, so that Jack's Divers Classic, where we had that uh, might that, be that having a few technical run. issues. Are you still there, Brian? We're we're in, we're in technical hell right now. This is this is. The... I still hear you. I tell you what, Brian. Let's take a break. If you can hear me. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Let's take a break. Drew, let's take a break. (laughs) See, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Come back. Get ourselves. Let's take a break. Come back. Get ourselves figured out. And then we'll keep on going here after the break. This is our year interview. This is a beautiful way to close out 2021. Got to love it. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. I get the now bar, please. One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. hey let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? We don't duck and dodge. Ain't no ever waters on my schedule. 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 Just saying, just saying. We're taking what's made We're going to let you have the last word uh, in terms of uh, Alabama and uh, playing. <laughs> but anything that you can with the viewers. Any last thoughts you want to share? Did I want to share? Yeah. Oh, go, go Bulldogs! Hey, baby, y'all tune in ESPN this week, and uh, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to make you proud and uh, give you a good show, offensive, defensive, special teams, and uh, represent the way the Bulldogs represent. Don't worry, it's all a part of the game. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern for Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab course lecture dismissed. 
From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys have been there's a shot that that might be it could be right field grand slam what a shot that's how you get hot young fella thank you guys for what you do HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do and all you guys at BCSN. We really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. Take two. Uh, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. <laughs> Brian and AD here. Uh, trying to close We out. have fun when we do these things live sometimes. Look, trying to close out 2021 without tripping over ourselves and spilling Kool-Aid all over the table. Um, it might not be, be, might not be possible. Par for the course. Yes, there you go. Uh, let, Drew, we didn't get a chance. Let's go through our miscellaneous news and notes from the year. Let's kind of go back and forth. That's what I was trying to get us to do in the last segment before we get into talking about basketball from the past year. So let's just kind of go through some of the different – things that uh, we spotlighted that happened in 2021. I'll let you shoot first. Uh, I want to hold off on this one uh, for, for a minute. Uh, something not sports related, and this is not on our list. I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, but uh, the fact that Boris Brown is now in HBCU once again, and also, we have a our first HBCU that has been reopened, and that is in uh, Detroit. And if you give me a minute, I'll pull up the name of that uh, HBCU that reopened in Detroit. Now, neither one of these have athletic programs right now, but it is still a uh, you know it's still a feat that Boris Brown was able to come back from the brink of death and. We've had our first HBCU that has actually closed and been reopened. And that HBCU, of course, I get a pop-up when I pull it up, Lewis College of Business in Detroit. So not not sports-related, but I did want to uh, bring those highlights up. All right. Well, while you're uh, talking about uh, colleges as a whole, how about Edward Waters? Uh, going from Edward Waters College to Edward Waters University, uh, also making the transition into Division Two. That happened in 2021, uh, so a significant step there for the oldest HBCU in the state of Florida, as they claim. Uh, 
which is, you know, I, I can't argue with it, obviously, but uh, they, uh, they've done some significant upgrades there, uh, some great facilities in terms of building a new uh, football stadium and uh, improvements to their gymnasium. So uh, a lot of things going in the right direction for Edward Waters, who they've been playing in sort of this SIC uh, schedule the last couple of years. And I, and I think in 2022, we'll actually be full members of the SIC. And so we'll kind of see how the conference brings them and Allen University into the fold as it relates to conference alignment and things of that nature, which we, we've kind of debated on several times on other shows. So it'll be interesting to see. What's your next item, Drew? Wrestling. Not wrestling, not what y'all watch, WWE, wrestling. Wrestling? <laughs> wrestling. Uh, wrestling. <laughs> not wrestling, wrestling. Uh, Bluefield State becomes the first HBCU to offer women's wrestling as, as a collegiate sport, as a varsity collegiate sport. And with that, that brings us to a total of four HBCUs that have some type of wrestling program. Morgan State is the only Division One HBCU to offer wrestling, uh, having started their program uh, back in 2020. And you have Allen University, which is now competing on the Division Two level, and Arkansas Baptist, which competes on the NAIA level, that also offer collegiate wrestling as a HBCU. So those of you all who, uh, those football players who like to wrestle also, there's an opportunity for you to get into uh, into some other sports and get to an HBCU. I'll jump over to uh, Joe Taylor, Hall of Famer, uh, head coach at uh, Virginia Union, uh, actually the athletic director at Virginia Union, but also uh, Hall of Famer, head coach at Hampton and uh, Florida A&M, was named to the College Football Playoff Committee back in, I believe, February. Had a great conversation with him back in the spring after the announcement was made. And so, you know, obviously, you know, this was the first year that you saw a group of five team get into the College Football Playoff group. And they're also talking about. I wonder expanding. if he has something to do with that. Uh, who, who knows? You know, it'd be interesting to hear. You know, his his. Uh, yeah, it, it does kind of make for interesting coincidence. You know, not sure he did have anything to do with it, but uh, it's an interesting coincidence that the uh, the first administrator from uh, an HBCU. Um, I don't think he was the first from an FCS level, uh, but uh, significant that he is from an HBCU and that uh, he would actually get the appointment. So, and I think those are three-year periods. I think those are three, three or four-year runs where they you're on that committee for three or four years and then they recycle it. So, yeah. So, yeah. congrats. That happened this past year. What's your next item? Uh, what about uh... – why not us? And we've had two versions of it. We've had a basketball version featuring North Carolina Central, 
and we've had a football version featuring Florida A&M University. And that those have been produced by Chris Paul. But let's take it. Let's take it back one step to the NBA All Star Game, which was also dedicated to HBCUs. And then we bring in LeBron James into the situation, signing with signing their contract with Florida A and M, where they become an exclusive uh, wearer of LeBron James gear. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the pro effect, pro athlete effect on HBCUs, uh, specifically with basketball in these instances that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's a, that's a real good point there. Um, You know, and I, and I would throw in the, uh, how about the uh, NBA and their all-star, that all-star game weekend. I think we kind of found out about the why not us docuseries right about the same time that you had, the all-star game, which was moved to Atlanta. I forgot where it was moved from. Um, actually, no, I do know where it was moved from. It was supposed to be in my hometown of Indianapolis, but uh, because of, uh, was it because Which of is why they had the, the odd-colored court that did not go with the Atlanta uh, Hawks basketball because the court was originally designed to reflect the Indiana Pacers colors, if anybody yeah, remembers I, I that. Think yeah, for some reason, I think obviously the NBA was on a shortened season. They played seventy-two instead of the eighty-two game schedule. And originally, they weren't uh, even going to play the All Star game. That's your, that's what it was. You're right. They had canceled it from Indiana, and then all of a sudden, at the last minute, they decided to have the All Star game. And they're like, "Well, where can we have it?" And they're like, "Oh, let's have it in Atlanta. And, let's tie in because jo- Georgia was open and Indiana was closed at that point in time." Uh, yeah, yeah, probably something to that effect. Yeah. And so they ended up having it in Atlanta and tied into HBCUs. And then next minute you go, you end up with, uh, you know, Chris Paul, you end up with LeBron James and all that good stuff. So interesting tie-in, definitely, to say the least. Go ahead. Look like you were going to add something. I was going to say, speaking of NBA, what about the games that were played on NBA TV? First HBCU games played on NBA TV. I believe that happened around King Day last year, or was that President's Day? Uh, it was around one of those major holidays. Yes, it was actually. And I'm going off the top of my head. I I wrote it. I wrote it down, or we I've got it in our in our show notes. Um, it was on I, a it was on a Monday. That's all I remember. It was a holiday Monday, so it had to be one of those two holidays. Yeah, I think that was um, so. And we're talking the games that took place between. Um, it was actually President's Day because uh, it took place between Grambling at Jackson State. It was a men and women's doubleheader. Doubleheader that was played. Yes. Yep. A doubleheader that was played. So that was uh, that was pretty awesome uh, that that took place. How about I'm going to add in July one, July one twenty. 21 was a significant day for not just, uh, you know, Xavier moving to the Red River after years in the GCAC, Tougaloo moving from the GCAC to the Sunshine, no, no, Southern States Athletic Conference. Talladega. uh, Oh, it was Talladega that moved. Yeah, I don't know why I wrote Tougaloo. Thank you. Talladega yes. moved to the uh, uh, SSAC. Thank you. 
And then you also had Bethune and FAMU moving from the MEAC officially into the SWAC on July 1. So, you know, North obviously. Carolina A&T. Uh, yeah, thank you. North July Carolina A&T officially moved into the Big South. So you had five. Yeah. Anybody else? I forgot somebody. Who else? <laughs> no, nah, because did Edward Waters move at that time, or was that later on during that month? From where to where? Remember, Edward Waters uh, was still uh, full in a in AIA until this uh, until this summer. They accepted to be into the uh, SIAC and moved up to Division Two this summer. I don't remember the that day. I don't think it was on July one. It was in July, but it was later in July. But but one of the things that strikes me is um, they played volleyball in the GCAC, which is NAIA. Because they're so, in transition. They get a two-year transitional period. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm not I'm not really I'm not ready to to officially say they're full full blooded D2. How about that? I'm not it wasn't as, did, it wasn't we as, did mention they went from college to university. So we did mention that already. We did, yeah. So we, we did that. So there's that. And so yeah, you had those five programs. Uh along with NIL. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. And July one was also the start of NIL, which we'll talk on in a moment. What else? Any? I got a couple other notes. Any other uh, miscellaneous notes that you want to add in? No, I'm going to let you add them in because I'm I want to I'm gonna pull the somber out last. Uh, we'll get it to the people who we've lost this year, but I'll let you hit everybody else before we hit the ones that we've lost on this year. <laughs> oh, gee, Drew. <laughs> Uh, thanks. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, I, I didn't want to mention that we had three significant administrators, uh, leave uh, their universities and, and with great success, I will say, um, I thought you had, it was pretty significant that all of them kind of occurred right about the same time in, uh, late, uh, as I go through my notes here, late May, uh, you had the announcement that Lynn Thompson was going to resign from Bethune-Cookman after 30 years as the AD uh, there at Bethune. And then you, and this was on the heels of moving Bethune into the SWAC and everything. And, of course, that last year, Bethune pretty much stepped away from all athletics in 2020-21. Um, so that was pretty significant. So he he stepped down. And they had a new athletic director, became Reggie Theus, who's also the men's basketball coach. Xavier's Jason Horn resigned after seven years, and he took the same position down at Florida Memorial University. I thought that was significant. He was the NAIA administrator or athletic director of the year, I I believe. uh, For the previous year. Yes. In the previous uh, academic year. So, um you know, we, we had a chance to talk to him, and that was pretty significant. So with all of the strides Florida Memorial is taking, you know, is he the person, is he the right person that's going to bring them into this new uh, era as they look to try to find their footing in uh, the college athletic scene? And then on May 25th, Jennifer Lynn Williams left Alabama State as their athletic director to become Chief Development Officer of USA Basketball, of the U.S. Basketball Foundation. And uh, she was one of the few uh, 
female administrators uh, at such a high level, uh, done a, you know, done a great job there at Alabama State, was highly regarded, uh, well-liked. And so uh, those were those were three significant departures, which all happened right at about the same time of year. All right, Drew, let's get into let's talk basketball, because we we, we, we want to get through these as quickly as possible. We got to We got to catch up here. So let's kind of go through basketball. What are some of the some of the storylines that uh, that caught you from the past basketball season for really, and there were two, so we could we're kind of <laughs> the end of, the end of one and the beginning of another. Uh, let's start off with the start off with another walk off. Xavier University with the walk off in the GCAC winning both the men's and the women's championship the men were the number two seed coming into the gcac tournament and the women were the number four seed coming into the gcac tournament and they uh got the walk off but let's take it one step further brian we'll be talking about naia uh Mm -hmm. the fact that talladega had such a tremendous season earning a first round bye in the NAIA tournament uh, last year. And Steelman getting into the NAIA tournament. Voorhees reaches the NAIA tournament. Am I missing someone, Brian? I I believe those were the four on the bed side. Which, uh, uh, so was it Talladega who was a one seed or was Steelman a one seed as well? I thought Stillman was a one seed. No, uh, I think Stillman had no. Stillman was not in the in a, a top seed. Okay, but, but Stillman and Talladega, t- t- and Talladega wound up in the same pod, but they were on opposite sides of the pod. They would not have met in that pod uh, because uh, they they changed how they ran the tournament last year, obviously because of uh, COVID issues. But uh, they both wound up in Montgomery, Alabama, but they were on two different sides of the pods. Uh, and all those teams, except for Voorhees, won their opening round game, if I do remember correctly. Yes, that, that is correct. Xavier, Stillman, and Talladega all won the, uh, their first game. Uh, Voorhees yeah. did not. Voorhees uh, won the uh, the AII, AII. Uh, yeah, uh, as an independent. And Stillman advanced to the, uh, the, I guess you can call it the Sweet 16 because they came out of their pod. Yeah, they came out as the, uh, so they, and they were ranked as the eighth seed of the 16 team national tournament field. They were ranked as an eight seed, uh, lost by two points in that first semi, in that, um, I don't know if not quite a quarterfinal game, but that Sweet 16 first round matchup, they lost by two points. Um, but that was a that was a very good Stillman squad, and were co national champions along with Talladega for the Black College Sports Network. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that was uh, well deserving. I don't think it was. I don't think it was hard. You couldn't look at the record of what Talladega did. I believe they had a, a great record, um, and then you looked at Stillman, who they didn't play any games. In the non-conference, I think Stillman started their season yeah. January one. 
they played like one non-conference game against Russ. Correct. And then yeah. everything else was conference. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was definitely um, well-deserved there by uh, both of those squads. It was hard to realize. I think the numbers were so tight that, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't look at one without the other. Um, you know, I think had Stillman maybe gone a little bit further, you probably might have – they might have won the national title on points. But uh, I think it was close enough. Um, on yeah. the women's and, side – what? Hold on, hey, Brian. Oh, they're, conf- they're conference rivals now. Yes, yes, yes. That makes for some interesting uh, interesting games. And, yeah. What, what, uh, Talladega won the first matchup uh, earlier this month. And they play again in February. So uh, mark your calendar for that one if you're an NAIA basketball fan. What about the women, Drew? Talk a little bit about the the women because you had uh, Xavier and uh, advancing to the uh, NAIA tournament and you had Langston uh, advancing to the NAIA tournament. And uh, did, did one of those get a victory? I don't have it in front of me. I know, but Langston was a number seven seed in the Sooner Athletic Conference tournament, got to the finals. Sooner Athletic Conference being a too big league, so they, Mm -hmm. which allowed them to get into the NAIA tournament. Uh, Also, Xavier, I mentioned it earlier, they were the number four. they were the number four seed, and they advanced to the uh, and won the GCAC. And correct me if I'm wrong, that was only the fourth time in GCAC history that both the men and the women's tournament champion came from the same school. If I remember right. that correctly from uh, from our from our notes, also Tuskegee, uh, uh, my Golden Tigers, they're, the women from there made it to the NCAA Division II tournament, the only HBCU to make it to the NCAA basketball tournament. And let me say that again. The only Division II HBCU to make it. That's men and women. That's why I had to say that again, because no, no men's NCAA Division II program made it to the tournament. And Tuskegee was our women's uh, national champion for small schools. Yeah. um, I was just trying to take a quick peek back uh, of the past year that you asked that question about uh, Xavier um, winning. They did win their first round game. uh, And then they ran into uh, a team that uh, was was pretty dominant most of the year in southeastern out of Florida. All right. Well, they they won they they beat they won their first round contest against Benedictine, and then they lost uh, to the actually the whole school of the pod was southeastern. It was in their own back on their home court, so they lost to them uh, seventy to forty seven. But they won that first round game fifty eight to forty five, and so. Um, but Bo Browder, Coach Bo Browder, man, and, and Coach Alfred Williams, they, those are those two guys. What a great year for Xavier basketball. And Bo Browder jumped over 500 victories during his postseason run also. Let's, let's remember that. He uh, uh, becoming uh, one of very few women's coaches, well, coaches, period, to have over 500 victories. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let let me jump over to the NCAA uh, side of things because I think you, you can't talk about the NCAA without talking about the historic wins by Texas Southern and Norfolk State um, in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, this was actually one of those years where the tournament was all held in one location. Uh, They chose my home city of Indianapolis, Indiana, as the site for every game of the tournament, including the first four, which they did a little different, which I, I think was great. The fact that they made it part of the tournament, they, you know, they didn't usually what they do is they have the first four in Dayton and then you'll have it somewhere and then they'll have the rest of the uh, tournament. But no, they actually included the uh, first four into uh, the tournament. And um, it uh, actually turned out to be a, a historic day for Norfolk State and Texas Southern. Norfolk State, who won the MEAC, uh, Texas Southern who won the SWAC. Um, Both of those teams ended up getting wins. Um, Norfolk State beat Appalachian State 54-53. Texas Southern defeated Mount St. Mary's 60-52. And so both of those schools winning on the same day was a historic day for HBCUs. Uh, Of course, both teams went into the next round as 16 seeds. Uh, Norfolk State ended up facing Gonzaga. Texas Southern took on Michigan. You know, tall task as 16 seeds, but it is what it is. But um, you know, just the fact that that on a, on on a, on some level, there was just this sense of HBCU pride that was already starting to bubble up uh, in that. It, excuse me, in that month. Partly in part because of the uh, NBA and that All Star Game thing, right? I mean, because that thing had mm-hmm. took place maybe two, two or three weeks before the NCAA tournament. So uh, that that definitely was a, a big time story that happened. Um, what else do we have from the year, Drew? <sighs> Outside of basketball, well, me, we're sticking with basketball. <laughs> well, we're still in basketball, but I mean, let me go. Let's, way to stay, way to stay on top of the uh, format list here, Drew. Um, how about the um, the championship games? I thought were a significant <clears throat> were a significant thing in the MIAC and SWAC championships because on the women's side, you had two one versus two matchups. You had over in the MEAC, you had North Carolina AT versus Howard. <clears throat> a game that came down to a missed free throw or two, followed up by a game winning three pointer by North Carolina AT. Um, talk about just the, 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 what do you, what do you call it? The, the agony of defeat and what was what's the phrase from the old uh, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Yes, yeah, so you had the agony of defeat on the missed free throws, and you had the thrill of victory. I mean, it, it the emotions <coughs> that went through in that contest uh, were something to behold. Um, 
unfortunately for Howard, who uh, was a real good ball club. AMT was a real good ball club as well. And then how about in the SWAC? You had number one, Jackson State, versus number two, Alabama State. Uh, those two schools had split in the regular season. So this was the third matchup. And uh, Jackson State was the defending champs. Alabama State, you know, the only team that could beat them was Jackson State, I believe, that second time they played. And it came down, the last two minutes, Drew, was was really great basketball as, as – uh, Alabama State, I believe, was down. Is that you or me? Who's that? That is, that that me? is me. That's you. Yeah. All right. So Alabama State was Alabama State was down by as much as uh, double digits in that contest. Brought it all the way to the point where they took the lead with about two minutes to go, and then we had a back and forth. I mean, you had big buckets being made by both squads. It ended up um, falling on to the side of uh, Alabama, uh, Jackson State, as um, as they overcame the the, uh, the the late opportunities. Alabama State had an opportunity with the ball in their hands to possibly take the lead, but uh, they couldn't do it. And so it ended up being Jackson State that won. So I thought the, the women that day for the MEAC and SWAC, we don't talk a lot of it about uh, women's basketball doesn't get a lot of attention. But that was a great day for those two conferences and the four best teams in women's basketball. Um, so, yeah. All right. That kind of covers the basketball season to obviously what will be coming into. Um, you mentioned uh, – you didn't mention the Why Not Us series with North Carolina Central. I thought that was significant series that happened. Um, and, uh, I, I, I wrote this down, Drew, but, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about NIL as it relates to Hersey Miller and his father in the NIL segment, which will be after the break. We'll talk about that. So let's take a break, head into our last segment. You're watching the BCSN sports wrap, our year in review. We'll be back in just a moment. It's like a loot machine. All around town, we're trying to get down. For the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Itchy. Squirmy. 
Scratchy. Family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Testing one, two. All right, there we go. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, our 2021 year in review. Uh, we appreciate you uh, watching, tuning in, and following along with us. Let us know your thoughts on some of the memorable moments of 2021. Um, you know, follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can hit us up there. You see our personal Twitter feeds uh, right there. You can hit us as well. Uh, Drew, let's let's kind of open this segment because uh, we don't want to we don't want to forget the people that we've lost this past year. So uh, I think instead of kind of waiting to the end of the show, let's make sure we mention those those names and those people here at the, at this time. So uh, you've got you've got our list. And uh, if we've forgotten anybody, um, you know, let us know. Uh, hit us up, and uh, we'll, we'll see uh, that we've covered everybody as much as possible. So go ahead, Drew. All right, let's start off with uh, Jerry Johnson, longtime basketball coach at LeMoyne on college. I uh, believe he might be, like, number three all-time in wins among HBCU coaches. Uh, behind the likes of uh, Big House Gaines and uh, Ben Job and uh, John McClendon, I believe number four. I believe he's number four on the list. Anyway, he died at 102. Seiko Smith, uh, NBA TV analyst, writer, broadcaster, died in this past January at the age of 48, uh, COVID-related uh, illness. Doug Wilkerson of North Carolina Central, uh, Black College Hall of Famer and uh, in Central Hall of Famer, uh, passed away at the age of 73. Grady Brewer, longtime coach at Morehouse College, uh, coached for almost 20 years, uh, was involved at Morehouse as a player, assistant coach, or a head coach for over 30 years at uh, Morehouse College. Leroy Jones, uh, uh, two-way player for Norfolk State, uh, passed away uh, back in June. Uh, Leon Thomas, the voice of the world-famed Tiger marching band, Grambling State University. Leon Thomas III passed away this June. 
some someone beloved to both you and me, Brian, uh, our president, President Frederick S. Humphreys, passed away in June. Also, and you talk about a president who was pro athletics. That was President Humphreys, a former president of Tennessee State University and Florida A&M University. Uh, Jerry Lewis, longtime coach at Tougaloo, passed away in August. Football legend Melvin Lee of Grambling Tiger fame passed away in August. Also, Roger Brown, Maryland Eastern Shore. Yes, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore used to have football, for those who do not know it, before before you and I remember, Brian. But uh, he's a former NFL player and uh, Black College Hall of Famer, Roger Brown. Uh, Adonis Butler, uh, tragic. Uh, right up the road from where I live at, at Albany State University, was a linebacker. And what a great run Albany State went on, especially that uh, at the classic versus Fort Valley scoring exactly 57 points. And those of you all who know, 57 was his number at uh, Albany State. And one side note about that, Brian, they scored 57 points. They scored their fifty seventh point and took a knee on the ex- on the PAT so that they would not go over that fifty seven point total, and it yeah. just happened to be one of their six shutouts on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mississippi Valley coach Lafayette Stribling passed away in November. Uh, Norfolk State PA. Announcer Jackie Brown passed away in November. Also, a volleyball player from North Carolina A&T, Fatima Shabazz, passed away at the end of November. Maryland Eastern Shore lost another one in former head coach Meredith Smith. Claude Humphrey passed away. The Tennessee State fame was Claude Humphrey. Bernard Hurd passed away. Uh... St. Augustine University, great uh, Bernard Hurd. And it's not on the list, but uh, let's not forget John Madden, who passed away uh, a couple of days ago. You know, John Madden coached 18 HBCU athletes there with the Oakland Raiders, and I believe four Hall of Famers that he drafted and coached there while he was with – the Oakland Raiders. Yes, John Madden is more than a video game, even though that is what he may is most maybe most famous for. And we had this debate on another show, Brian. Um, who, who who's bigger in pop culture, John Madden with the video game or Michael Jordan in the shoes? We had that show. We had that discussion on another show. But if y'all want to chime in on that, please chime in on that because uh, it's gonna, it's an interesting debate. Well. And, and if I if I could, let me add in a John. See, I thought you were going to mention another John that uh, we forgot to mention on the list. Uh, when you said we we didn't have his name on our original list, and you said John, I'm thinking okay. And then you 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 added in John Madden, but how about John Cheney that we lost back in yes. January, January 29th? Uh, he of course played and graduated from Bethune Cookman University, and then Cheney uh, led Cheney helped lead Cheney State to a national championship. And uh, then he uh, uh, most famously 
coached at Temple from 1982 to 2006. Uh, so, and he's a Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer. So, uh, we lost uh, John Cheney. So, just <clears throat> some of the names. And uh, I, again, if, if there's anybody on our list that we mentioned, uh, obviously not done in uh, uh, w- without uh, uh, on purpose. It's just one of those things that uh, we, we tried to gather as much of this as possible. And want to give a thanks to um, Alex Hines and uh, and, and his and his uh, website. Um, um, and Alex Hines has done a great job with with his site, uh, HBCUSportsNet.com, where we were able to kind of gather a nice list of uh, of a lot of this information. So shout out to uh, Alec. We appreciate you and uh, all the work that you uh, put together on your on your site. Um, one of the one of the topics is we're getting tight on time here. Uh, one of the big news events from the year drew uh, name, image, and likeness. And I was jotting down some different notes drew about name, image, and likeness that uh, that I found kind of interesting here. And I'll just kind of go through a few of them. Uh, obviously, July one is the first day that players could actually earn money on. Uh, and as it says, their name, image, and likeness. And a lot of states have different rules as to what coaches can and can't do, how you can facilitate NIL, as it's uh, been referred to as. Uh, a lot of schools have priorities and things in place to help school help student athletes navigate. So here's just some of the things that I came across, Drew, as I was thinking back to the last six months, you had Antoine Owens, a Jackson State defensive end who was a grad transfer from Georgia Tech, actually signed the very first deal at midnight on July 1 with uh, with King's Grooming, which was a black-owned hair product shop based out of New York. Um, I don't know if we heard Antoine's name often throughout the year, but he had a pretty decent season. He played in all 13 games for Jackson State, had 65 tackles, 31 of them were solo, 18 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, a a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery for uh, the SWAC champs. So Antoine Owens was, uh, was the first. Now, another HBCU athlete who now, I don't know. This site was a little off saying that he was the first HBCU athlete to sign an endorsement deal. I don't know how that differs from signing NIL deal. Uh, I don't know how accurate this site is. But uh, how about Kaiwan Dukes, wide receiver for Johnson C. Smith, who had signed a deal with uh, Bojangles. Um, so, you know, props to him. You also had Zabrian Moore. And uh, Gary Charles, although I think it's Gary Quarles. That may have been a misprint on the website that I was getting this from. Uh, those two guys, Alabama A&M, of course, Xavier Moore, wide receiver, Charles. Uh, if it's Gary Quarles, the running back, signed deals with Boost Mobile this past year. One of the more interesting names I came across, Norfolk State's Raquan Smith. 
this young man signed a deal with East Bay, but he also signed 15, get me, Drew, 15 different product endorsement deals. Uh, he's rep- I'm not going to put his representation out there uh, because maybe I'd like to get them on the show. Uh, I don't want to give them any pub just yet. But whoever's doing his representation, uh, he- he's a redshirt sophomore, running back slash defensive back. Kids signed 15 deals, Drew, 15, 16 deals. I mean, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> and it just so happens that he was scheduled to come in, and you thought he was going to be a big-time running back for Norfolk State. He only played in four games. I think he got hurt this past year. Uh, Norfolk State ended up having a very good freshman running back this past year who kind of took a lot of the carries, and maybe that's in part to uh, Smith being injured. But Smith – is in the transfer portal as of, you know, a month ago. So who knows? I mean, if he's he's from Richmond, Virginia, so uh, who knows how many of those deals are tied into him being at Norfolk State. But I just found that kind of interesting. One of the more lucrative well, deals in H. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say go ahead. I thought you were done with the NIL. No, no, no. Guy got three more here, three more, and then, and then, I'll, right. and then you can jump in. Uh one of the more lucrative deals go to Tennessee State's Hersey Miller. Hersey Miller, Man. of course, his father, uh, Master P, Percy Miller. Hersey signed a four-year, $2 million deal with Web Apps America. Now, I just remember initially when he signed this, I just kept thinking, how's that going to work where, A, you're a freshman, and you come in making more than the head coach. Stop and think. Four-year, $2 million deal. Per year, that's what, Drew? 500000 500K. I, I don't think the head coach at Tennessee State is making $500,000. I, I don't think, I don't think the head football coach at Tennessee State is making $500,000. Even if it's I Eddie George the president. Wait a minute. I don't think the president of Tennessee State is making five hundred thousand dollars. Right. So it's 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 like I just kept seeing those numbers and was like, how is that going to work? And sure enough, how did it work out? It, it, it didn't work. It didn't go so well. It didn't go so well as uh, Hershey played sparingly in nine or ten games, games prior to getting hurt. He only played four games. I, I thought it was I four, he, but you may be right. I, well, look, I, I know he got hurt somewhere around week nine or 10 or game nine or 10. And then all of a sudden you start getting complaints about uh, medical facilities and all kinds of stuff, which completely debunked by not only Tennessee State alumni, Tennessee State uh, administrators. It just I mean, you know, Percy Miller, what a what a what a what a snake oils. I mean, I you know that all that. For HBCU crap, get out of here, man. Yeah. Anyway, that that's a that's you want to talk about a walk off? How about walk off so, so, with his son? That's a walk off. So, There's your walk off. So you gonna right burn now. all your masterpiece? Uh, you burn all your masterpiece cassettes that you see ahead. Thankfully, I never, never bought a master. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna lie. You know what? I bought I bought one album. I bought one album back in the day. I was gonna say never, but yeah. That was more so because of Mystical. When he joined, when he joined, I bought because of him. But that's because I I was a fan of his prior to. 
But anyway, what a what a what well, anyway. Let the last two points here. Uh, more recently, Howard men's basketball team signed a team deal with College Hunks hauling junk. So the entire team signed a deal with Howard. Now, no rumors on cannot confirm that the men's basketball team at a certain price will be hauling away junk for you if you call them. So I don't think that was part of the endorsement deal. I don't think they were hired as movers. I think personal service. Although it makes you wonder though, they are college students though. I would not if so if a six eight kid with some thin legs shows up at the door and long arms, he might just play for Howard if you're in the DC DMV area. I'm just saying. Brian, Brian there's, there's a there's a whole other there's a whole other joke in there, but we're not gonna do it on the air. Yes, thank you. The last college one. Yeah, this was, this was the last one, Drew. Uh, Lincoln University of Missouri partnered with Open Doors for a six-figure deal for their football program. This was recently, all of maybe uh, within the past month. So Lincoln University of Missouri, that's Division II, one of the first schools to sign a program deal, six figures that goes to the entire program, or all the student-athletes in the program. So uh got, jump got in there one other oh. deal you forgot one other deal you yes. forgot yeah. nowhere yeah. in any of those deals did you mention a female brian but well, you got the kwanza glover of Edward waters university is believed to be the first female at an hbcu to sign a nil deal signing with global freight and commerce back in early december so uh, she's a 5'9 grad guard for the Lady Tigers of Edward Waters University. So yeah. I believe and, she and is, as of right of now. The, uh, now, if there's another female out there, please let us know. But this is the only one that we know of. Right, right. Um, yeah, so congratulations to uh, Q. She was actually our uh, NAIA Women's Basketball Player of the Year. So uh, definitely, yeah, to top that off. So and, 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 that. And, and, and she's a real good person from the interactions that we've had with her over the couple of years that we were dealing with uh, Emma Waters. For sure, for sure. Um, so, yeah, NIL, got to love it, man. Got got to love it, got to love it. All right, let's get into uh, the last, the last go-round here, which is football. And we've got a double dip, Drew, because we, we not only had fall football, but dog, what we had spring football as well. So these are just I, I just bullet pointed Go what ahead. you gonna add. I was Go gonna ahead. say no, no, do, what, you, do, you, do you think the fact that we had fall followed by spring is why maybe it seems like we had so many coaching changes? I don't know. Do you think we had an inordinate? I, I, I go back to 2019. I think we had quite a few at the end of 2019. I know there were several in the uh in the CIAA and SIC, or it would have yeah. been 2018. It would have been 2018 because a yeah. lot of those coaches started in, in that period. Yeah, there, there were definitely quite a few. Um, all right, so here, here's my bullet. And you you go let, – let's exchange – let's go bullet for bullet here because I got bullets and you got bullets. So let's just kind of right. go back and forth here and then let's see who runs out of bullets. Let's start with the spring season. 
these are some of the moments or memories from the spring season. All right. First bullet for me. I've got the debut of Deion Sanders coaching and that 53 to nothing beating he put on Edward Waters College at the time, which then, because of that outcome, <laughs> Edward Waters lost the coach. Our good friend, <laughs> our good friend Greg Ruffin did not did not last too well after that beating that they took on national TV. That was on ESPN two, I think. Yeah, so yeah, that didn't that didn't fare too well for Edward Waters um, and, or Coach Ruffin, good friend of the program and the network. But uh, yeah, that that's my first bullet. Now I run a back coach at uh, Alabama State. Yes, Alabama State. All right, go. We'll just go bullet for bullet. Go. Uh, how about Arkansas Pine Bluff and the run they had back in the spring, Brian? Uh, out of nowhere, the the Golden Lions uh make it to the SWAC championship game, uh, and put up a good fight against Alabama A and M. And if we're talking about the SWAC championship game. Uh, let's talk about a specific player in the SWAC championship game, uh, Quill Glass, and what he has been able to do over both the fall and the spring and over a career at Alabama A&M University. All right, I'm going to add to I'm going to add to your UAPB bullet, which sort of sounded like a bullet for the SWAC championship game as well as a Quill Glass. But anyway, I'm not going to hold that against you. Uh, the UAPB. Uh, how about the fact that they beat Grambling and Southern? For the first time since 2012 in the spring, 2012. I mean, talk. So that's how those, you know, talk about a big season for UAPB, um, and, a, and a big season and uh, for those two programs. My next bullet. How about Alcorn State withdrawing from the spring season after everybody said we're in? Alcorn State pulls up their their tent. And says, "Yeah, nah, we, we we can't do this." And so, hence what, everything hence was, what our friend Neely at the pregame show dubbed them "opt out." You, yeah. Well, look, they 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 opted out. It cost them because they had to forfeit some games, and it even meant a very limited uh, spring or fall home schedule because of some games that they lost there as well. So. That's my and, that's, and, um, and it will affect them next year also, Brian, because those games that they that they did not make up this year will have to be made up next on next year's schedule. Yeah, as far as yeah. those home days. Uh, okay, go next bullet. Yours go. Uh, how uh, speaking of opted out? How about the BAC, Brian, and the entire BAC? So not only did were you losing three schools due to conference realignment but the schools that were remaining first the BAC decided to play got the got the automatic bid from the FCS then hey nobody can play football for one reason or another due to due to COVID issues did so which left you with three teams South Carolina State Howard and Delaware State but in its beackish way, and yes, that is that's a word we're going to we're gonna get that submitted to the dic- dictionary someday, Brian. Beackish, I S H, beackish, in its beackish way, <laughs> you still could not, everybody could not play everybody, but because of the rules in DC, 
Howard could not play South Carolina State at home nor on the road because of the differences in the COVID uh, rules. So they would not allow South Carolina State to travel into D.C. And the team from D.C. was not allowed to travel to the state of South Carolina. So par for the course for the BIAC, unfortunately. But as we find out later on, BIAC wild up with the last laugh. So. <laughs> Boy, did they? Did they? <laughs> um, how about uh, how about Jackson State snatching victory from the jaws of defeat against Grambling on the road? This would have been Coach Prime's first road game. I believe they were. Uh, this was a game in which Jackson State had took the lead uh, late in the fourth quarter. Then watched Grambling just run pass get all the way down to like two yard line before forcing a fumble i think it was aubrey miller forced a fumble that keon hampton keontae hampton recovered and uh gave uh jackson state their uh first win on the road they moved to three and oh and i tell you the the you want to you want a moment when the jackson state buzz or for some people annoyance started it was that game it was it was that game and when they beat grambling that's when it started because they were three and oh and you couldn't tell them nothing you you know people that that was it they were like we told you we told you so yeah i just that but that was a good game though it was a good game uh and it just was what it was so next bullet for you drew uh how about the prime and this you have to combine this with the fall and the spring and this is my last point on the spring and but i want to keep it i want well it transitions to the fall because it's it's the coach prime revenge tour or the victory tour and let's let's start yeah, off we'll with, mention, that, uh, mention, the revenge, mention that tour in the and when we get to the fall there's plenty of stuff all right let's well, let's talk about the spring trolling then. Let's talk about let's talk about Coach Connell Maynard and Prime. Well, Prime not played, didn't play the game with Connell Maynard, but Connell Maynard sure got his jabs in in the spring when he had the whoop squad, as we like to call it. <laughs> you know, and, and and we've seen it. Why? Uh, when he told him go out get some more five stars, we ain't got we ain't got no ever waters on our schedule. We we saw the clip at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Then you had Alabama State. Oh my God! Playing the 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 video from 1990 with the Jerry Curl. Yeah. 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 So the trolling by Alabama State. So I'm all I want to say is swag. I'm glad y'all got it in in the spring when y'all could because you sure paid for it in the fall. But and boy, did yep. Alabama State, uh, Alabama A and M pay for it. Yeah, I had uh, <laughs> I had that Alabama State trolling prime time uh, with that picture at the end. I think it was just a picture. I don't know if it was a video or if it was just a it picture. It was a picture. Of, it was a picture. Yeah, from his draft. I think it was his draft night. His draft yes. night and just the, the 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 you know the yes. If you if you know the picture, you know the picture. But yes, that's what it was. And then you had a, as you mentioned, Alabama A and M, fifty two to forty three was the beating that they put on Jackson State uh, that day. 
uh, Aquil Glass threw for like 400-something yards and six or seven touchdowns. I think he had seven touchdowns, six passing, one rushing. I mean, they 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 put they put the wood stick out, and uh, that was the game that I maintained. I don't think Jackson State was trying to win. I have a conspiracy about my conspiracy theory. My my red flag conspiracy theory went up in that game just because of some things that happened. But but uh, anyway, that that was a game that drew a lot of TV ratings. So um, that was one of my next bullets that I wrote down here is that the TV ratings, the SWAT, of course, with Coach Prime, a lot of opportunities there in terms of uh, TV ratings and opportunities on ESPN or ESPN2. I think the SWAT championship game ended up on ESPN, did it? I, no, uh, well, or ESPN2. Uh, uh, on the deuce. Well, and think on, about it. On two. But the SWAT championship game in the spring and the fall were bumped up. Think about that, Brian. They were bumped yeah. up from U to three to two. Yes. Not to you, but to two. Both of them were on two. Right. Yeah. So, and so that, that was pretty significant. Yeah. Um, two other bullets. I know you said you ran out of bullets in your gun, so I had a couple more left. Um, the SWAC had decided that no visiting ban. So even though the SWAC was going to have a season, which I thought – was courageous. They had a lot of things in place. They had some, they had some uh, delays. Anybody who couldn't play, they had some, they had some arrangements that were set up to allow team, excuse me, to allow teams to be able to, to play should they have COVID related issues. Um, But no visiting bans. That was one of the mandates. So, you know, a lot of people go back to, was it a real swack season? because there were no visiting bands and you know look we i maintain it it was it was a real slack season it happened we can't we can't we can't dismiss it um also another bullet the bayou classic beating is what i have written down here <laughs> southern was just showed no mercy to grambling who might have been have a, had a lot of issues with covid um, Grambling didn't get cleared until the day before the Bayou Classic from the COVID issue. Yeah. And they still didn't yes. get everybody back. They still had about 18 right. or so out. Yeah. So it was just a bad day for Grambling. Um, it led to all kinds of coaching changes. They lost a quarterback. Um, Jeremy Hickbottom ended up transferring in. And I don't think he finished the season. I think he left somewhere mid-season once all the changes started happening um so and, and it just spiraled into what happened later on in the year for Grambling and never got better and then my last so I guess that that's all the bullets that I have from the spring season one big circle drew about the spring not one HBCU football player was drafted in the NFL draft in 2021 uh now that comes on the heels of only one the year before in 2020 and that was a seventh round pick from tennessee state but none in 2021 and a lot of and there was even an hbcu spring combine where supposedly you had representation from all 32 teams but uh not one player drafted in the 2021 NFL draft.
Visit myjbn.com backslash support to help us change the world. We are the future of urban media. We are the Jericho Broadcast Networks. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. All right, Drew, let's go to the fall. Let's move to the fall because we got a full season of football. Everybody's back. D2, NAIA, everybody's playing. Let's go. Let's empty the clip here on our year in review with our notes from the fall. What do we got? You want me to lead? Well, well, let's just start off with the obvious, Brian. The year of the Tiger. Okay. What Jackson State was able to do uh, on the football in Overall, Brian, I mean, the total Jackson State at, athletics and uh, what they have been able to do there in Jackson State this particular year, uh, spring football, fall football, basketball, women's basketball, men's basketball, uh, baseball, volleyball, you name it. Just the year of the Tiger, but if we stick it to just football, undefeated in the swag, Brian. That is a feat all to itself. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and while while you're talking about Jackson State being undefeated, I, I thought the two most significant games of their season, um, yes, you could point to the 7-6 to six win over Florida A&M at the very start of the season and how significant that would turn out to be, uh, given the fact that Florida A&M went 7-1, and one. Uh, ended up going to the FCS playoffs. But I'm going to go to the Jackson State win over Alabama A&M, 61-15. We really were expecting, you know, a great rematch. And, and it just turned out to be a massacre, a bloody Saturday in Huntsville, Alabama. And then how about Jackson State rallying uh, at Southern on the road? a game that we thought Southern had won. I mean, Southern had won and lost. Southern had was back and forth all year. They had just lost to Florida A&M the week before. They had Southern on the ropes, or Jackson State. Uh, Southern had Jackson State on the ropes, down two, up two touchdowns, I think. And, and you let them off the hook. That's all I can say. <laughs> Next bullet, yours. Uh, you. I don't know if you remember back in August, we had this debate. Uh, I know BJ Jones was around when we had this debate. What was going to happen first? Tuskegee gets victory 700 or FAMU gets victory 600 as a program. Tuskegee being the winning this HBCU in black college uh, football, FAMU being number two on the all-time win list. Well, Brian... Unfortunately, we're still waiting to see if Tuskegee gets to 700 as FAMU has eclipsed that 600, uh, that 600 bar coming in with, uh, they won nine games this year, 606 victories on this, uh, on their, 
as a program now with the nine victories that they had this year. They needed three to get to 600. And, fan, right. uh, and Tuskegee stuck at 699, which led to a uh, which led to a coaching change at Tuskegee University. Yeah, I <laughs> it was funny. I was gonna. It's funny you bring that up. I was gonna. Uh, um, I get into the coaching changes talk, later. Yeah, no, I was hearing as as you talk about that. I was thinking that myself. I was thinking. I was thinking, man. Um, uh, yeah, I, I we kind of all thought Tuskegee would get the seven hundred first, um, but you know before so. <laughs> before Fab, you got the six hundred. Well, Fab, you had had, right. had, a, had a tough schedule to open up the season with uh, traveling to uh, South Florida, and you know the Jackson State game was a fifty fifty game for them. So those were uh, that's why everybody thought Tuskegee would pick up four victories before Fab you could pick up three victories. Boy, were we wrong! Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. My next bullet is a uh, is a two is a is a two for it's a shotgun. So it's loaded up in a shotgun. So hopefully you'll let Double me get barrel. these two double barrel here. Double barrel shotgun. I'm gonna go with um, the return of football for Bluefield State for the first time since 1980, which included them getting a win, a win before Florida Memorial, who brought back football last fall who didn't get their first win until October 23rd, 63 years since Florida Memorial got the win. They beat Union College on October 23rd uh, for their first win in 63 years, but that came after Bluefield State ended up bringing football back and getting a win before them. So you talk about, huh? Yes. So and who did, that who did was, Bluefield uh, beat? Oh, you got me on that one. I did not write that down. I do know they defeated. I knew that. I know they defeated uh, Elizabeth City, but that was not their first victory, though. Bluefield beat a few people. Go, go ahead for your next bullet, and I will tell you because Bluefield beat a couple of people this year uh, that they were like, "Huh? How did we lose the Bluefield State?" But anyway, go ahead. Uh, how, how about a Quill Glass, Brian? How about the uh, yes. numbers that Aquila Glass was able to put up for a career, Brian? I mean, uh, possibly has a good chance to get drafted on day two. Uh, considering this is a weaker draft class throughout uh, college football, there's an opportunity he should get drafted day two, definitely by day three. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have to sign as a uh, UFDA. So Aquila Glass, one of my uh, highlights. And a hey, speaking of a cool glass, two-time SWAC Offensive Player of the Year won it not once but twice in the same year. That may never happen again. That you win. Let's hope that never. No, let's let's say that will never happen again because that means we have to have another spring football season in order for that to happen. Again. Exactly, exactly. Twenty twenty one belonged to a Quill Glass who won two. Swack offensive players uh, of the year and, uh, you know, finished. I believe I did the numbers. He finished. Number four all time. Number four all time in HBCU. Actually finished uh, top top 15 in FCS, I believe. It's somewhere. Uh, it's I think uh, it was 13. Was the number if I remember 13. Right. Yeah, I, look, I did the work. I'm glad you were listening. See, you, you Oh, man, um, you asked me about Bluefield State. Hey, Bluefield State had more wins against the CIAA 
than some teams in the CIAA because <laughs> not only did they beat they beat ECSU, they also beat Johnson C. Smith. So <laughs> they had more wins yeah. in the CIAA than Johnson C. Smith had in the CIAA. Thank you. Yes, and CIAA ought to recruit or bring Bluefield State into the conference. Um, and they also got a win against Fort Lauderdale College, which is a which is a school that's coming up. So they got at least uh, three wins. I kind of lost track of Bluefield State's uh, season at the late in the year, but I know they at one point in the year, Drew, they were three. Uh, actually, they won four games. They actually had the benefit of a forfeit win. So four <laughs> wins for Bluefield State, man, unbelievable what they did this past year. Um. My next bullet, the perfect game. The perfect game. Well, I, look, I've I never seen it before in college football. Don't know if I ever see it again. Ten offensive possessions, ten touchdowns, no punts, no INTs, perfect passing. Kentucky State mollywhopped Edward Waters like 70. No, what was the final score of that game? Hold on. Let me go. Let me find it. Let me find it here. Because and, and, I gotta, and make I gotta, sure you put the asterisk by that perfect passing. He was four for four. That, okay, the final score was 76 to 36. Back on October 16th, Kentucky State had counted uh, 11, 10 or 11 possessions, not, inc- not including the, I think they took a knee because of the halftime. Half. But I'm yeah. talking legitimate possessions. 10 offensive possessions. They scored a pick six, too. That's where the 76 came from. 10 perfect possessions. Touchdowns. All touchdowns. This is a running team that passed the ball four times, four completions. And I even think somebody may have even had a touchdown. No interceptions, no sacks, no punts. I mean, it was the perfect offensive game by Kentucky State. I challenge you to go through the history books and find another game like that where it happened. I'm sure it maybe did, but I will always remember 2021 for the year of the perfect offensive game by Kentucky State. Final score, 76 to 36 over Edward Waters University. Go ahead, next bullet. Uh, And and I got to do a two for one on this. How about the seasons uh, in the Division II level of Bowie State? at Albany State. Albany For State sure. scored six defensive, uh, no, six shutouts, number one in the nation in uh, defense, earning a number four seed in the South in uh, Region 2, uh, NCAA Region 2. The number two seed in that same region was Bowie State, who scored Count O'Brien eight defensive touchdowns? Their defense led the nation in scoring defense. That's turn. That's those are pick sixes, fumble sixes. They had eight of those uh, in, in the season. Got to the regional finals and wound up as not only the Black College uh, Sports Network under D one champion. Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab mid-major champion. But in some other polls, such as Box to Row, they were the 
national champions, overall national champions, Bowie State. Mm-hmm. So uh, our Division Two programs did good, but Bowie State just did superb. <clears throat> yeah, well said. Um, another another thought, sort of on the while you're talking about Division Two. Um, what, and this one, this one is more like a WTH. Uh, and no, I'm not talking about the uh, team from Washington. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at the CIAA South, and I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is going on there? Where when I look at total, I mean, they had three schools who at one point were all winless. Three schools that finished with one win: Johnson C. Smith. Livingstone, St. Aug, all finished one and seven overall, uh, one and four in the conference. Um, man, what the hell? That, it, I mean, it was pretty bad this year. I mean, the only thing that came out of the South, uh, you know, Fayetteville State kind of, it was funny because they, the division was decided back when they defeated Shaw in uh, mid-October. When they defeated yeah. Shaw, October 16th, that was it. It was, is it, no, check that. Hold on, hold on. Let me go back. It was even further than that. October 9th, week six of the season. So midway through the season, the CIAA South was decided. Fayetteville State beat Shaw 15-12. to 12. That was it. Ball game over. You know, now Shaw went on to lose another game. Uh, you know, funny enough, they lost to St. Aug. Well, I agree. Um, so, exactly. So On the last day of the knows? season. Uh, yes. Yeah. But but who knows? They probably don't lose that game if they had beaten Fayetteville State and knew that. Hey, we're going to the championship game if we beat uh, Saint Aug. You know, and and so or, or that they yeah, have that, to win that to stay alive. Even exactly, exactly. So yeah, it, it was. So we didn't have any winless teams. But we had four pretty – three pretty bad teams in the CIAA South, four overall. So I, I need those schools to do a little bit better. And, and I wonder if those schools were just impacted by COVID. You know, I mean, it, it's it's one thing to see what a team like Bowie and Fayetteville State did to stay uh, at a high level, but the bad got worse. Like, the bad teams got worse in 2021. So hopefully – having a full year under their belt of getting back in the weight room and all the other stuff. I hope I pray for a better 22 for some of those CIAA South schools. What else you got? How about the Bayou classic? And how, how, how about, about the fact that, that you had two interim coaches coaching in the Bayou classic, Brian. Yeah. And the one interim coach, that you thought was not win the game, won the game. Yeah. Be that being Grambling. Yeah. I, yeah. Hey, look, I, I wrote on here, I could not believe that Grambling fired Coach Fobbs. Now, that was one of my preseason predictions. Remember what I told you in the preseason? I told you Grambling was going to beat Southern in the Bayou. I just thought they'd do it with Roger Fobbs. I, I did not – I didn't see Fobbs getting fired uh, before – uh, the Bayou Classic. Remember when everybody laughed at me when we played either, neither, or both? Yes. Uh, at the end of yes. October? And, and, yes. and 
It was either. <laughs> yeah, it, it turned out to be either, definitely. Uh, Bayou Classic, man, I tell you. One by a kicker uh, and an interim coach. So uh, congratulations to Grambling there. And, of course, Grambling went on, uh, has a new coach, and Southern has a new coach in place. And we'll get into as... those coaching changes in just a moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Next bullet point that I have, how about Norfolk State collapsing on themselves? Literally, at one point, Norfolk State had won five games in a row, five or six games in a row, I think it was. Um, I'm looking at it now. Norfolk State was heading into the North Carolina – which game was it? Heading into the North Carolina Central game. Um, Norfolk State had won five in a row and had a 24-0 lead over North Carolina Central. Um, Let me see. Ended up losing the Central 38-36 in double overtime. Lost the next week to Delaware State with a lead. Lost to them 28-26. And then, of course, they lose the last week of the season, which essentially when they lost to, uh, to Dell State, they essentially handed the title over to South Carolina State and the uh, representation into the Celebration Bowl to South Carolina State. But uh, then they lose the last game of the year to uh, South Carolina State. I mean, literally, they could have sent South Carolina State into the Celebration Bowl with a 5-6 and six record. Yes, under 500 record. But they couldn't do that. Uh, they, they lost their last three games of the year and left a lot of people scratching their heads about what happened to Norfolk State, who, look, a lot of people thought Norfolk State had one of the best offenses, maybe next to, I don't know, maybe next to FAMU, Alabama a yeah, or Jackson State, if you consider those three to have some of the best offenses. But a lot of people thought Norfolk State had one of the best offenses. They just couldn't close games out for some reason. And uh, so that, that had to leave – uh, a, a nasty taste in their mouth, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond. So I just thought how Norfolk State ended uh, what was a bullet for, for, for me. Uh, what else you got? I, I was about to go to South Carolina State. Uh, going undefeated in, the, undefeated in the SWAC. Uh, excuse me. Uh, undefeated in the MIAC. Uh, played arguably the toughest football schedule in HBCU sports and like you said had the opportunity to go into the uh, uh, celebration bowl at 5 or 6 but got that victory then what more what, what can I say 10 point underdogs open up a, open up a can of whoop in the second half on the I love and yeah. sent Jackson State back to Mississippi. The disappointment. Yeah. That's uh, T-H-E-E. Yeah. And as drum major SCSU claims, South Carolina State, black college national champs. Yeah, you look. Uh, you know, they were they – were They opened the debate by, they, they did. They did. Yes. And that was another of my bullets there. The, the fact that uh, South Carolina State's win, essentially, you went from probably you would have had an undisputed champ 
in Jackson State to what it turned out to be four different teams claiming championships based on, you know, uh, polls and, and organizations, um, you know, you, you, from Box to Row, from BCSN to Dr. Cavill's inside uh, HBCU Sports Lab to uh, Sports ABC Pro Sports Media. You got ABC, ESPN. Um, Sports Illustrated, NCAA.com. Sports Illustrated, NCAA.com, yes. For for many, many organizations all all offering uh, a view into the reason and and everyone having sound arguments. I mean, people may not want to listen to them, but I didn't find anyone's argument ridiculous. You know, I I, honestly, I can't look at anybody's argument and say, that's horse bleep. You know, I can really look at it from a non-fanatic viewpoint and whether it be polls, whether it be data, whether it be head-to-head, whether it be common opponents, whatever metric, whether it be the construct of the Celebration Bowl, whatever metric or, or measurement you want to use, I can understand how you come up with the Black College National Champion that you did. Everybody so, has a legitimate argument. They, they do. They do. So, uh, hey, more more shirts, more more rings, more banners to stick up on the side of your building. Um, you know, that's just how it's going to be for 2021. And that's the beauty of 2021 is that we have multiple champions. Um, the my last bullet drew would have to, <clears throat> would have to be the attendance at the Celebration Bowl, which was a record 48,000 plus and the TV ratings that went with it, like 2.5 million that watched. So I, I think that was that was huge. That was huge. Well, you got a last bullet for football? The fact that we did not have any cancellations with football due to COVID. Yeah. And, and this is a sidebar, but uh, – I wonder if the cancellations for basketball are due to basketball being an indoor sport versus football being an outdoor sport. Yeah. Just just something to think about. Something to think about. Hey, uh, let's take Uh, a break. uh, We're going to take a break? I thought we would. Yeah, get we've out been of a, here. a long segment. Well, yeah, but it's been a long segment. I mean, I mean, I, we can keep going if you don't, if you don't, if you want to finish it off. Uh, I think the only thing we got, what, only thing we got left are the football coaching changes, correct? And and my top ten, my top ten. Oh, top yeah. 10 let's stories. take a, let's let's take a break then. Uh, I mean, I don't have to be keep, long keep, with the top ten. Keep, keep keep talking for about uh, 30 seconds, Brian, because I did not have another break queued up. Don't worry about it. Let's go. Let's go. To, let's let's finish let's, it off. Let's go to let's coaching take, changes. Let's, let's take, go. Let's take, no, let's no, take no, a no, break because no. I, 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 I need the break. I, I need oh the break, Brian. Oh, my God. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. All right. We'll take okay, a break. I, I got Hang in there. I got something you're watching, the year, you're, you're watching the year in review. We're about to close it out, 2021. Um, with uh, the coaching changes from the past year, and then the official BCSN Sports Wrap Top 10 Stories of the Year. We'll be back in just a moment. 
True Black Essentials is a retail opportunity to bring black businesses under one roof where every product on every shelf in every aisle will be black owned and black produced by people all over the world. Statistics show that the $1.3 trillion of spending power that we have as black people can easily be turned into each black person having $2 billion if we were to shop black for two years. So True Black Essentials will launch an e-commerce store on November 1st, 2020, but we will open up brick and mortar stores in Atlanta, New Orleans, Charlotte, Houston, and Jacksonville with the very first store opening in Atlanta, June 19, 2021. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. We're back. All right. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here as we close out 2021. And, uh, I mean, look, Drew, a, a lot of went on. I, I saw someone say, I don't, you know, I don't know the age of uh, <laughs> my guy Real Talk on YouTube. But he said, in his opinion, this has been the best HBCU year since its heyday. Now, I don't know what heyday is. I don't know how old you are, real talk. But uh, this has been an interesting year, Drew. I, I don't know how you compare these years. Uh, I, what, what's, your, what's your take on that? Where do, is, have you, are you able to compress and compartmentalize where this year stacks up against other years? I think because of the hype and the media and the exposure, you can make an argument for it. I would have to sit down and really do some soul searching and thinking about it, but you can't make an argument for it. I know this has probably been the most hyped year for HBCU sports. I I will say that. How about exposed? Uh, the exposure, meaning, I mean, I, I think not only the the – the effect of 
Coach Prime, the addition of FAMU, I guess Bethune, you know, I don't know how much they did, but we'll say FAMU and Bethune into the swag. Wait, wait uh, to baseball season. The, 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 well, right, right. I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Wildcat Nation. I'm kidding. Relax. Um, but how about just the exposure of the different mediums that are covering HBCU sports? We saw it at the SWAC Media Day. Uh, the Celebration Bowl had to put caps on the number of media organizations or the number of credentials per media per organization. You know, I mean, they had to put a cap on it this year. So all of that to kind of show that there's more people interested in covering. Now, my one, so yeah, has this been a great year? I think so. My hope is, and I, I kind of asked, uh, when I had a chance to talk to Scotty from Offscript, who does a great show on YouTube, and he speaking of the the growth of, uh, of HBCUs, um, you know, a lot of people come into HBCUs. That what brought you in? I'm curious. Was it the, is it the pageantry of HBCUs? Is it the history, or is it the the current uh, landscape of things? And, and I, I, I wonder. I I think more. I, I'd probably say forty percent. It feels like is a lot of the the newness of discovering HBCU and HBCU athletics. And what I would say to, to the non, a lot of us who have, who are HBCU alums, it's ingrained in us to understand and know the history, right? Whether it be our schools, our university, our sports, right? I would just hope that more people who are coming into HBCUs Find the history interesting, as interesting as they do the current newness of things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, so, I will say yeah. one thing. You know, Black College Sports Network has been around since 1998. And I know that the streaming podcast media for HBCU sports has grown exponentially over the last year, year and a half, two years, Brian. You know, at one point in time, there were very few of us on this medium doing this podcasting thing, first in audio form, then in video form. And, you know, now it's you got a podcast and this person got a podcast and this person wants to start a podcast and some have been good. Some have been, some, some have been great, you know, uh, and, and the exposure is great. I just hope that this continues on for these different universities and people do these podcasts and that these podcasts do not turn into what we see on other social media, like Facebook, with with the bashing and the the crabs in the barrel mentality that some of these Facebook chat groups have turned into, I'm happy for all of these podcasts out here. I watch other people's podcasts, but the, you know there are some that I refuse to watch because they have nothing positive to say about anybody's university. You know, it's one thing to be a fan and be passionate about your university, not taking that away from you, but the 
other stuff, the bashing and everything else of other and putting down of other people. Talk about your university, talk about your rival and how, how bad you want to beat your rival. I have no problem with that. It's the other stuff that I don't uh, like. But that's a sidebar, Brian. Hey, I got a note in here from Dr. Cavill, Brian. I want to get this out. And he's probably going to discuss this on his uh, show tonight uh, inside the HBCU Sports Lab. That comes on at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Central, right here on the Black College Sports Network. Did the, did the opt-out in the spring 21 football season cost Alcorn a spot in the fall SWAC championship game? Something to think about, Brian. Yeah, you you have to go back and look and say who which game did they play would have been a home game instead of a, a road game. game, right? You know, and did which, they win which, or lose that game? Correct. How many of those? Yeah, I mean, co- how many those co- losses could have been possible home games, and which with the differences in that? Because you know, I'm going to put some miles on that bus this year. Yeah, they did. And what? who knows? Alcorn, well, they were still part of the East in the spring, right? Could that's they have a, very well, fact. could they have, could, if they would not have opted out, they probably play. Do they win the East had they not instead opted of, out? You know what I'm saying? Instead and it of, would have uh, been, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that's a challenge. You know what I'm saying? To, to make makes you wonder about Alabama A&M's fate without Alcorn there. So, you know, not to say that. Because that was that was the hurdle Alabama A&M could never get over. Right. And so I'm not 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 implying anything, but it makes you wonder. Uh, It's funny you mentioned Doc's name. Uh, He also mentioned that uh, this has been the most exciting expansion season since 1958 when Grambling and Jackson State joined the SWAC. So, see, that's what I'm talking about. When you talk about history, if you don't appre- if you if you are a fan of college football, I'm just going to say in general, if you're a fan of college football, you have to be a fan of history. And I think if you're a fan of the NFL, you should be a fan of black college history because it was built on the shoulders of a lot of black college athletes. And so when you talk about 58, see, Doc's already got me wanting to travel down the rabbit hole. And we did this a little bit when we talked about our dynasty makers. We talked about the great teams of Grambling State in the 50s. Great article. It makes me great article. Go read that off of BobBCSA.net. That article came out this spring. That was a great article that you and Doc did, by the way. Yeah. I may have to retweet that as one of my best, one of my best reads. I love doing that work with uh, Dr. Cavill, but but anyway, history. So all of us in this space, we have to remind and talk about history. And hopefully, um, you know, look, I know you, it's hard to compare eras, but in the end, you're still chasing numbers. You're still chasing accomplishments. So there's a reason why schools stand proud about how many times they've won black college national champions. We know that there's very few times that it will be decided on the field because there's no format yet for that. You know, we've had it a few times, but not every season. So when you have those great seasons and you are able to say we are four-time black college or five-time black college national champions or 
16, 17. I mean, that, that speaks volumes about your program. And so I, I just thought that was uh, really big. All right, Drew, let's uh, let's get into some of the coaching changes, and then we'll close out with the top 10 for 2021. All right. All right, let's start. And, and these will encompass both spring and fall since there were so many uh, – Coaches change and some of this stuff is like a blur. So we just put them all on one list and I will try to notate those that will happen uh, after the spring season. All right. Starting off with Norfolk State, Latrell Scott was replaced by Dawson Odoms. That was a spring hiring. Tennessee State, Rod Reed was replaced by Eddie George after the spring season. Southern. Dawson Odoms was replaced, uh, who went to Norfolk State, was replaced by Jason Rollins as the interim, who was ultimately replaced by Eric Dooley from Prairie View A&M. Which leaves Prairie View A&M's former coach of Eric Dooley. They have not yet to name a head coach, the only uh, Division I school that we have that does not have a head coach at present. Grabner State. Still waiting. Still waiting. Broderick Fobbs uh, was replaced by Hugh Jackson. Alabama State. You, you know, uh, Brian, there have been a, a lot of news dumps with these coaches hiring. Alabama <laughs> State. Mean? Alabama State was the first one. Remember, they did the press conference on the day after Thanksgiving. They did the press conference between the Turkey Day Classic and the Bayou Classic. The Friday after Thanksgiving, when nobody's paying attention. Friday news dump. So you mean they, so you mean they didn't have a band or a any kind of big uh um pomp and circumstance to bring in their the new coach? But they did do a video press conference. I will give them credit for that. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, Donahue Ely was replaced by Eddie Robinson Jr. Tuskegee, Willie Slater, been replaced by Reginald Ruffin, which we'll fast forward to Miles, who is still yet to name a head coach because this happened uh, last week, right before Christmas. Speaking of Ruffins, Greg Ruffin of Ed Edward Waters was replaced by Toriana Morgan this spring. Uh, Toriana Morgan coming from Virginia State. Here's another one of those Friday news dumps, Brian. <laughs> Central State. George Ragsdale, who, re- who, who was the interim, who replaced Bobby Rome II midseason. Don't know why Bobby Rome was let go was replaced by Kevin Porter. When did when did this news dump occur? Christmas Eve, Brian. Oh, worst day. That that is officially that is officially the worst day ever to introduce your your new coach. Officially Christmas worst Eve. day ever. So, yeah. not only was it a Friday news dump, but it was a Christmas Eve news dump. <laughs> Christmas Eve news. That's new. Yes. Yeah, that's that that's definitely new. All right. 
Savannah State, Sean Quinn left Savannah State. Uh, have yet to they have yet to name a new head coach. And my last news dump, uh, Brian, Winston Salem replaced Robert Bassey with Robert Bassey. I.e., they took the interim title away from him and uh, made him the official head coach. But you know when this was announced, Brian? The day before the Celebration Bowl. (laughs) Well, look, how would you like to be Robert Massey? One, he was the interim in 2019. They have a new athletic director comes in, and then you have the pandemic happen, so you don't have a season the next year. So he's named the interim again for a second season, which carries over into 2021. And then I guess, so you've been the interim for almost two or three seasons. And so, well, that would just give you the job. And good for Robert Massey. I'm hoping he got, I hope he got a new three-year deal and didn't get like an extension, <laughs> you know, like, like here's a one-year extension. You, we, you own a three-year deal, so we just going to go ahead and make the third-year official. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hope they gave him a legitimate three- or four-year deal, new, brand new for beginning in 2022 or January 2022, whatever. I mean, I, I hope. That's my hope for him. Yeah. All right, what else we got? All right. Elizabeth City. Anthony Jones was replaced by Marcus Hilliard. Lincoln of Missouri. Malik Hoskins was replaced by Jermaine Gales. You know what Jermaine Gales coached at last? He was OC at Bluefield State. Ah, okay. Yes. Man, that that, that was quick. That was quick. (laughs) Talk about a move up, man, in one year. Good good for Coach Gales. Yes. Johnson C. Smith, uh, Kermit Blount, they have yet to name a replacement for Kermit Blount at Johnson C. Smith, former and, former uh, Winston Salem State coach Blunt, Coach Blunt, former Winston Salem State coach. Yes, and Clark Atlanta, Tim Bo- Tim Bowens has uh, replacement has yet to be named at Clark Atlanta University. So there are sixteen. There were sixteen coaches changes between the fall and the spring, and we still have one, two, three, four, five openings remaining. That's football, ladies and gentlemen. Just football. That's not even. That's not even talking about, you know, the stuff that happened, you know, in basketball where you had a few coaches that left. Uh, most notably, Cookman lost both uh, both their coaches. Yes, they lost both of their men and women's coach um, in the in the during the pandemic. As a result of the pandemic, I think uh, where they lost both of their coaches. So. Yeah, that was that was brutal. All right, so we've said a lot in this show. Appreciate you hanging in there, listening with us. Here is the top ten. Now, I, I don't know, Drew. Drew, you're kind to let me call this the BCS in uh, her sports rap, but we'll just stick to this and call this the sports rap. But this is really my top ten. Uh, so you don't have to claim anything here. I am totally okay with you disagreeing with any of my any of the top 10 or the order. So this is just me, Brian Fulford, not putting this out on Drew or our show. So we're just going to call this the top moments or stories of the year. All right. Number 10 for me, 
Number 10, how about the, I'm going to start, I'm going to say the HBCU NBA All-Star Game Convergence that led to CP3's Why Not Us docuseries, uh, the LeBron deal with Nike, uh, or the LeBron apparel deal that led to FAMU. Just that whole, just that whole circle. Uh, I thought that was pretty significant that the NBA would recognize HBCUs. Now, what what I also find interesting is, as much as we complain about HBCUs not or HBCU players in football, the percentage of HBCU basketball players is horribly worse. I mean, look, that we complain about. A I guy don't think we have anybody in the league right now. No, there, there is. Uh, there, there, yeah, no. Uh, correction. There is a couple of guys. Uh, okay. uh, Robert Covington sticks out from Tennessee State as That's one right. particular name. Um, there may be another guy or two from Tennessee State. Kylo Quinn was in the league for almost a decade. Uh, he was from right. Norfolk State. But when I say per percentage, like per player percentage, it's like if if it's point zero zero one in basketball, I mean football is like point one or point zero one, but football basketball is point zero 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 one. It's like barely a blip on the radar, you know. So I, I love that. You got a better chance as a European player than an HBCU player. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to say that. But I still thought that story was significant because it it came at a time when uh, a lot of people's eyes opened up to HBCUs. Um, You know, it led to the All-Star Game thing. Uh, I'm sorry, it led to the uh, NBA TV thing. People like Michael B. Jordan wanted to be involved. Percy Miller and his foolishness wanted to be involved. You know, I just I, so it helped. It helped. It helped. All right, so that's my number 10 story. Number nine. My number nine story, I, I call this Attendance Matters. The Celebration Bowl, 48,000 uh, recorded, 48,000 plus, which is a record, uh, they sold out. Right, they sold out the uh, the celebration bowl. They, they uh, sold out among... twice. What? Remember, they sold out the okay. lower bowl. They opened up the middle the middle level and sold that out. Oh yeah, That's yeah, why exactly. I said they sold out twice. Right, right. Uh, Forty eight thousand plus, and uh, a great note that I saw, Doctor uh, Cavill. Actually, this came from inside the HBCU Sports Lab uh, Twitter feed. Through, I guess this was this was going into today's bowl games. With twenty five bowl games that have been scheduled, one canceled, the Celebration Bowl sits at number three in attendance. The two bowls that had a greater attendance in number one and two featured Florida schools playing each other. So that was the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa between UCF and Florida. And what's the other? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then two Power Five conferences going head to head. I don't know which bowl that might be. But anyway, uh, you know, on, on a day when there were like six or seven bowls on that first Saturday of bowl weekend, the Celebration Bowl blew by everybody. 48,000 plus. 
Yeah, doubled, doubled up, up in practice. The next, next close to competition. Yeah. Uh, so outstanding look for the MIAC and the SWAC. Um, and it, it just adds to, you know, the, the fervor and excitement. And then how about Jackson State? Look, Jackson State set a new record for attendance, averaging 42,000 in the year. Jackson State, whether it's the SWAC or Jackson State, the SWAC has led conferences in the FCS for like now 34-something years in a row as the most Over 40, uh, uh, it, it was 42 or 43 pre-pandemic. And that, and that one year was due to uh, Hurricane Katrina. So uh, they post-pandemic, they'll lead again. It's just I, we don't know what that pandemic year uh, wound up ranking. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. But anyway, the SWAC has has been the uh, has been one of the leaders in attendance numbers. Jackson State uh, coming off a year where they averaged thirty three, uh, went up a notch to like forty. What was it? Forty two, forty three, yeah. somewhere in there. Forty two to forty three thousand. They had three games where they had fifty thousand plus. They had their homecoming game, which I believe was against Alabama State. They had their rivalry against um, – Yeah, Valley and then Alcorn. No, the Valley game didn't draw 50. The Valley, game, no way. the Valley game was on the road. Yeah, no, it was the Alcorn game. The Alcorn, Alcorn game, game drew 50,000-plus, more like 53. And then you had the uh, SWAT championship game against Prairie View, yes. which drew 50,000-plus. So let's number not forget, nine for me – Let's not forget the road games. Uh, yeah, classic. because they had a they had a good. I'm sure they brought a good crowd to um, Southern. Forty seven, um, forty seven to Memphis. Oh uh, yeah, forty seven at Memphis. Um, they brought a pretty decent crowd to the Orange Blossom Classic and Memorial Weekend. Um, it it wasn't a and, sellout. And you almost got I a think... discount. You almost have to discount that one because people were still kind of scared, not knowing. Uh, what was what then? Well, with that game being in the low thirties, I guarantee you in September of this year that game is at forty five. Oh, oh I, I'm I'm going I'm going over fifty. Uh, upper deck is being opened Dep- up. That game will depends on how. Yes, yeah, depends on how. I don't oh, know no. the the seating configuration as far as how many seats are in the lower bowl at uh, Hard Rock Stadium, but I guarantee that lower bowl will be full. Yeah. So uh, number nine story for me was the attendance matters uh, for um, Celebration Bowl and Jackson State. Number eight story for me of the year was the North Carolina A&T 4x400 men's uh, relay team national championships uh, in the indoor and outdoor level of the NCAA. That was a pretty significant double feat there. That uh, really put a and I think that was, I feel like that was sort of the, A&T had a lot of buzz coming into the end of the 2021 year, the 2021 academic year. I felt like that was the sort of end of it. They had a lot of good things happen in the spring and even into 2019, of course, where they celebration bowl win in 2019, a lot of exposure for A&T. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the future is like for A&T now that they are not part of the MEAC. Number seven 
story for me was that no HBCU football players were drafted in 2021. You know, this is coming off the year that we had one guy drafted in 2020. Uh, they did happen to have a HBCU combine. But I was reading the article that we had on our site, um, you know, and it, look, it, it seemed like it was well attended. There were scouts from what? All 32 teams or at least 30 something teams there, but not one guy got drafted. And so you had guys who were part of the 2019 and part of 20. I mean, you had literally two groups of guys that did not get drafted, essentially. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. So if you were, if you were a graduate of 2020 or a graduate of 2021, that was significant. It'll be interesting to see if going forward with the advent of this HBCU Legacy Bowl with the Combine. You've heard Dion talk about, Coach Prime, talk about wanting to be a part of the regular Combine and not an HBCU Combine. Um, will that make a difference? You know, we, we have players that Aquil Glass, Marquise Bell, uh, Kobe Durant. I mean, there are guys that I, they, they look like pro pro talent. How many will get drafted in 2022? That'll be interesting to follow. But the fact that there were none in a year of the HBCU hype, that's my number seven story. Number six, four HBCU national championship debate. I know this debate has only been about three weeks old. <laughs> but my God, it's a juicy debate, isn't it? And I just feel like it's going to just, it's just going to carry on. It's just going to carry on all the way through. It just sort of surmises what this year has been. The fact that in, in this year, coming out of the pandemic, we end up with four teams voted or recognized as national champions. Gotta love, gotta love it, man. Gotta love HBCU football. All right, here's my top five, Drew. You ready? Top five. Story number five. Let's roll. The Black College World Series in baseball held in Montgomery. That's my story number five. Big story, six games. The fact that it was able to happen. The fact that while we debate about four national championships in football, guess what baseball was able to do? Actually put teams on the field. People still argued because they were like, they're not really an HBCU. Yeah, yeah, yes, they are. You just, just he's still mad. So ask the you know, government. Ask at, the government. Ask the government. government. Yeah, you know, people. government. Yeah, yeah. Just just because they don't look like you and me in the dugout doesn't mean that it's not an HBCU. We got to be bigger than that, folks. It's but anyway, that was a great story. It's the name on the front, not the name on the back. Great story, great event. That was my story number five, the Black College World Series. Story number four, the year of the tiger. Now, I don't know which year that is in Chinese. Uh, in, in, in Chinese, uh, uh, next, It's next year. It's next year? Well, the year of the tiger for me. And, and all the reason year. I know that is because Charles Bishop of the pregame show inside HBCU uh, Sports Lab mentioned it yesterday well uh, not sorry, yesterday Charles. day before yesterday when, when and this was something You're that not, he mentioned off air 
Yeah, well, sorry, sorry, Charles. You, you guys aren't getting another year like this one. 2021 may never come your way again. So enjoy the year of the Tiger, where not only did you have the men and women's basketball program, I think the men uh, were co-regular season champs, lost, lost the, cha- get this, the championship game. Uh, no, hold on. Let me see. Nope. They lost in the semifinals, but they were the regular season champ. They had the player of the year in uh, Tristan Jarrett. The women's basketball team won the conference, uh, repeated as champs. Um, then, of course, you had the spring and with Coach D, Coach Prime and just all of the exposure that came from that. Your baseball team, 30 wins, 31 wins, probably was the best baseball team uh, in HBCU baseball, uh, done in by done in by the format of the championship game. Um, how about volleyball? Volleyball won the spring, uh, had an 18 game winning streak through the course of the spring and fall, repeated as regular season champs. Um, so I mean, volleyball had a good year, and then lost of course, in the finals. football lost in the finals to FAMU. Yep. And then uh, football capped it off with a unbeaten SWAC regular season, uh, SWAC championship, uh, national championship by a couple of different organizations, uh, including the BCSN. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it was the year of the Tiger. I I I hope it doesn't happen for another. How many cycles did the things go in uh, in the uh, Asian calendar? Is it like every seven or fourteen years? I hope you don't have another year like this, Jackson State. I just, I'm just personally, uh, but you know, maybe next year we'll come up with another animal that'll be the year of. Just saying, but that's my number four story: the Jackson State year of the tiger. Number three story for me: NIL to college athletics with the first HBCU player signing a deal. Uh, we mentioned that a little bit earlier. Um, the biggest, the biggest loser, uh, maybe the biggest winner was, uh, Tennessee state not having to deal with Percy Miller again. Uh, and so that whole fiasco is out of your life, Tennessee state. Congratulations. Uh, you don't have a player making more than the coach, but, uh, there's some guys who are really hustling. So hopefully some of these players will get some better NIL opportunities NIL, who knows? People, a lot of people came to think that it played a uh, played a role in uh, the five star recruit flipping from Travis Florida Honda. State. Yeah, from Florida State to Jackson State. Of course, everybody denies it. No, we don't have any money, says Coach Prime. What money? We're in Jackson, Mississippi. Who has money? Come on, dude. Anyway, congratulations to all the college athletes that are earning some money off their name, image, and likeness. Big story, I thought, because it was new, something new. Number two, my number two story. How about a historic first? Norfolk State, Texas Southern, winning an NCAA tournament game in the same city, same day, in my beloved hometown, Indianapolis, Indiana, advanced to uh, the slaughtering of the Rams, of the Lambs, as the number 16 seeds against Gonzaga and Michigan. But, um, Hey, look, two programs who very well could go back, Norfolk State and Texas Southern. And I'll tell you what, Norfolk State 
is playing really good basketball right now. Pay attention to Norfolk State as the conference season comes about. Texas Southern knocked off, uh, what, number 20th Florida. So even though their overall record may not look great, uh, the potential is there. It'll be interesting to see what Texas Southern does in the SWAT. My number one story is something that I pray we never see again, Drew. That is the spring SWAC football season. It's I mean, it was a first of its kind. Congratulations to the SWAC commissioner. Of hopefully the it's, hopefully it's one of a kind. It, yes, hopefully it's one of a kind. But I just thought that that's got to be the story. The story of the year has to be the fact that there was a spring season. I, we may never see it again. There were years where back in the 40s where they had there's a the, the only other break in college athletics was World War II. That was in the late 40s. Early you, 40s. you can go through the record books and you can see. Like, yes, there, there was there were yes, there were breaks in in the schedules because guess what? They, they didn't play any games. Some teams, a lot of programs didn't play. And, so and you ball, fast, yeah, you, you know why Tal- you know why Talladega no, uh, no longer has football. World no. War Two, they stopped their yeah. football program because they didn't have enough players to field the team during World War Two, and never brought yeah. it back. Yeah, so the fact that you had the spring season due to pandemic and uh, applause to everybody who came back from it, even though some schools were a little worse off. Um, hopefully, it keeps going. You know, but hopefully we never see another spring football season again unless we're watching the USFL, the XFL. The, That's professional. The, who, the prof- Yeah, hopefully on the collegiate level, we don't see another tackle football league. So that was my number one story from 2021. Uh, care to anything I missed, Drew? Any, any, anything you disagree with? Uh, any, any critiques yeah, no. on my list? I, I all I'm going to do is say I want to compare your list with the list that Dr. Cavill, Charles, and Michael have tonight on inside the HBCU Sports Lab at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Let's see how many that you had on your list, Brian, or the same that Doc and the professors have on their list this evening. Yes. Yep. That's yep. a shame. Uh, that, and a and yes, that is officially a shameless plug for Dr. Kavir's inside the HBC Sports Lab, just for the record. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at a uh, couple of comments here. Uh, shout out. You know, I appreciate T- Tamara Taylor. I appreciate a good top 10 there. Uh, and uh, yeah, a- A&T Roy, Drew did make, make mention of the fact that uh, Cambria Sturgis, who uh, – I forgot to mention uh, when we were talking about track and field that uh, she did win the uh, NCAA 100 and 200. Um, so yeah, that's uh, we we appreciate. Uh, um, oh yeah, yeah, and that A&T was the only school with men and women's teams to finish in the top four. So see, forgot something else. I knew. Appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys uh, hanging in there. Um, some other things that I see out there, Tamara Taylor. How about FAMU winning the Florida Classic, breaking that? Talk about streaks, streaks that ended. You had, you know, FAMU ending that streak against Bethune-Cookman. You had UAPB ending their streak against Grambling and Southern. Uh, Jackson State 
ended their streak to um, was it Alcorn or Southern? Southern. Yeah. Jackson State ended their streak uh, where they had been losing to Southern. I, I, you know, no more Dawson Odom. So hell, yeah, go ahead, Jackson State, get you a win. Um, <laughs> a, a Quill Glass, yeah, a magnificent year by a Quill Glass. That twenty twenty one, the year of the glass. Chuck Hunt, I'm with you. I hope there is not another spring uh, football season. Yes, yes. Uh, Drum major SCSU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we recognize the one of the four black college national champions of South Carolina State. Uh, Bowie State. I don't think Bowie State's going to the MEAC. Sorry, uh, real talk. That's I don't see that happening. No, Uh, don't see it happening. Unless you're going to pony up some money to make it happen, I don't see it happening. All well, right. They did get that money from the state of Maryland, Brian. Yeah, well, look, look. But but one one thing about Bowie State, and let me throw this out, yeah. you know, we talk about that. Bowie State probably gives out fewer scholarships to anybody else in the CIAA when it comes to football. Their scholarship numbers are in the low 20. You get a maximum of 36. They cannot recruit outside the th- let's think about this. South Carolina State can't recruit outside the state of South Carolina. Bowie State can't recruit outside the state of Maryland, and they still Wait, win and dominate. S- yes. You, the key word I'm circling in your statement is you say can't. Budget budget restrictions. Don't, do not allow them to recruit outside of the state, of outside of their, their states. Also, so you mean they don't, bringing out. Of, so you mean they don't travel. So you mean they don't travel outside yeah. of their state. Is that what you're? Well, also, also you got to think about it. Especially when you look at the rosters, out of state players, if they're on scholarship, that's more money that you have to give, because in state students are supplemented by state funding. If they're out of state student, you paid out of state fees just like I did, Brian. How much was our cost per hour compared to in state student? Ooh, I'm still paying. Yeah. I, that's why I need. I and that's, why I, to, that's why I had to stay. And hey, that's why I, I stayed I and got my in-state. Yeah, I need a president to come along and wipe out my student debt. Anyway, yeah. did I say that? Let's did pick I up the show out and out get out of here, Brian. Yeah, let's I pick know. up the show get and get out of here, Brian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, thank you to everybody for watching, listening. Uh, go make sure to uh, support the BCSN Pod Zone. That's where you can listen to all of the shows that are a part of the black college sports network in podcast format. You can even make a contribution. I don't know, a dollar, $2, $4, five, whatever you want to give. Uh, you can give and support the podcast that, uh, that airs on our network. And um, you know, we, we got some exciting things that we're planning for 2022. Uh, so it, Look, I thought we were going to be the last show of the year, but I guess Dr. Cavill is going to be the last show of the year. So I guess it's cool. Um, But it's the last show for us, Drew. Uh, Any New Year's resolutions? To be better than I was in in, in 21. Deuces in the deuce deuce. There you go. I'm I'm going on a a vegan. I hate to say this. I'm just going to call it a plant-based lifestyle. I'm about to try it next month, so you might uh, you might you might see a, a different B might be a little might be, might be a little uh, crankier, a little more agitated, 
but uh, might be a little bit healthier in January and so on. So that's the goal. So that's what's in All right. store for me. Brian, if you can make it to King Day, then then you can make it. Stop, Stop it. You guys, I'm you just guys. Saying, are I, 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 hey, I, I need you to get to King Day. I got your back, but I need you to get to King Day on this diet first. That's our first goal, Brian. All right. Lifestyle change. Day. There you go. Hashtag lifestyle change. All right. Plant-based, plant-based lifestyle. Here I come. Uh, for all of you guys, we wish you a happy, happy new year. Be safe out there. If you're going out, make sure to call an Uber or a Lyft. Uh, there's no reason for you guys to be out there driving. It's ridiculous. There's no need for it. Um, use oh, the ride one other thing. One other thing. The bullets that y'all go shoot tomorrow night, they going up, but they got to come down somewhere. They do come down. Yes, yes. They have to Just come down that. somewhere. Just remember Those that. Bullets. Yes. <laughs> well said. Well said. All right, Drew. Hey, man. Uh, congratulations. We made it through another year, brother. And I look forward to doing uh, another show with you next year. And look forward to a great 2022 with uh, our Black College Sports Network friends. Thank you to everybody who has watched and tuned in. Uh, thanks for all the love. We appreciate you. God bless. Be safe. Happy New Year. Peace out. We'll holler.